0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to another tour life. It is November 1st and we have a lot to discuss today. you got myself and Yuli as always. Uh, We're going to be talking about the battle for Bedford, a B tier event that I was playing at. But why is that important? It's not because I was playing there. It's because that is where worlds will be next year so you will have a sneak peek at the 2024 world's courses and I've got a lot to talk about that. We've got our first rumor mill. the rumors are starting to fly Yuli player of movement what's true what's not we're gonna sniff it out. we're gonna I did my investigating I've got my eyes my ears everywhere. Uh, I'll let you know what I know maybe Yuli knows some more than I do and we'll uh, see if we can kind of break some news here today. Yuli uh, gets called out. Normally it's me, Yuli. Normally I'm the one that's getting called out for saying something, but no, no, no. Today you get called out. We're going to break that all down. Terry Miller, the man, the myth, the legend, the disc golf guy, probably the best name in disc golf. He got it quick. He got it early. He will be joining the show side to talk to him. And then I've got, it's been a while, but I'm going to have to do it. A ratings rant. I'm going back. I made a tweet. I gotta to have to back myself, and uh, we'll see if I back myself into a corner. But uh, Yuli, how's it going, brother?
1: It's awesome. I mean, uh, I'm in Rock Hill. It got cold today. I want to tell you what, man. It it's is cold here. It is it's cold, cold here. outside. Really cold, like in the 30s. Uh huh. I mean, it was brutal. That's going on. I got my wedding in a few days, so people are flying in. You know, I got my big brother, his family staying with me right now. Uh, so that's all exciting uh the hair's looking
0: uh, good i'm liking i'm liking the new uh the new cut thank you fresh
1: i mean it's rare that i don't wear a hat a lot of people Mm. don't know what this they see me as this guy
2: Yeah, they don't know that i
1: have a a pretty large forehead so
0: no it's a good thank you thanks for the compliment yeah yeah of course uh how was your halloween did you guys dress up what did i do yesterday
1: I went and played some pickleball last night. That's what I did. We're like on this corner to where we don't get any kids that come over to the house. Last year, That's I stayed fun. up all night with a with a nice little, you know, it was my first year on Halloween. I had a nice little um, bowl of candy. The good stuff, too. I was like, mm. these kids are going to come back every year. Not one. Not one trick-or-treater. Dang. I think what I need to do is I maybe next year is buy a bunch of those blow up things and do like the whole thing.
0: Try <laughs> to invite your in. you gotta get your inflatables, man. <laughs> get your inflatables out there. Get, get, draw exactly, people in. exactly.
1: Some Mando's <laughs> they're yeah. like, come on, right through
0: here. <laughs> oh these I mean, big Reese's Snickers. I was unfortunately not able to partake in the festivities this year. I actually drove 17 hours yesterday just oh. straight. Lynchburg to Dallas, just straight on through. Uh, but this is my favorite, like the next few days are like my favorite time to scroll through TikTok, to scroll through Instagram, because some of the videos that you see from people is incredible. I saw, I wish I would have the video here so I could show you um, and everyone watching right now, these kids dressed up as transformers and their costumes they can walk around right and then all of a sudden if they're like transform they can get down and literally look like a plane and you don't see the kid at all they they're on the ground they look like a plane another one was bumblebee it looks exactly like a car the size of a kid looks like a car you can't see the kid at all and then it's like it's like transform they come up they press it like kid falls down it's like that's that's gotta be the coolest thing ever um
1: i did see your cork your corkies Maybe dressed. Yes.
0: Up. Yeah. Yes. Silas, throw the picture up. Kelsey brought a moose man. He was in his little dragon outfit. Oh, and, there uh, we go. <laughs> he, he stopped. He got to stop by the Raiderette Studio to check out. Uh, to check out everyone over there. They they weren't the happiest in the. He's the only one that really likes being in outfits. The other ones are kind of indifferent about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he looks he was, like
1: he's having a time of his life. Oh, though.
0: He was. She was saying he was sprinting around trying to show off for everyone. Um, speaking of Kelsey though, the Raiderettes they all dressed up for Halloween for one of their practices. And we got some photos, Yuli. So we're going to see if you and everyone watching, if you guys can tell me which one is Kelsey, if you already know, don't spoil it because I have posted some stuff on social media. So this is, there's four groups on the Raiderettes. This is the first group. So I also throw up here. Okay. That's the first group. They are going as the um, evil, like the, the bad guys, right? Yeah. So you've got like the one from Alice from Under uh, Wonderland. You've got uh, Magnificent. You've got uh, Hook, Cruella de Vil. Okay. Next one are princesses. So you got Moana, Ariel, Belle, Snow White. Uh, I think Sleeping Beauty's in there. Uh, Jasmine. Okay. So those are the princesses. Next one. Is uh, Care Bears. So shout out to the Care Bears. That was like one of okay. my favorite shows growing up. Uh, all the different different Power Care Bears. And the last one is Toy Story. And you've got you know Woody. Yep. You've got Slinky. You got Bo Peep. All of that. Now, I don't know about you, Yuli. For me, like there was never. I I always like, try to think of a costume that was just like comfortable because I wanted to be comfortable out there. Yep. But obviously I'm trying to go for something that's kind of funny. Girls have two options. I feel like guys don't even have this option. Oh, there's the balloons. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I did I need to do this next time. Sorry. Girls have two options, right? They can either go for like the funny and like, Oh, that was really clever. Or they go for like the sexy, right? They yeah. turn something into like, I'm a sexy kitten. I'm a sexy plant. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm literally naming things I'm seeing right now. Sexy water bottle. Um, yes. So out of all those, who, who do you think Kelsey was? Cause I'll say this, all of them had a very similar theme. They all decided yeah. to kind of go the same way, except for one.
1: Was it the last picture and she was in white and, um, sunglasses? Close.
0: no, Close. no, so okay. so throw it up. This is, this was a Kelsey show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was just a dinosaur.
0: She was Rex from Toy Story <laughs> in, in the big inflatable. Uh, so, yeah. So, like, it was funny seeing how, and she, she didn't know, like, they each, they each thought out their own themes, right? Yeah. Like, hey, we're going to, my whole group's going to be Toy Story. So, they all, they all had that, but they didn't really know what the costumes were. And so, when I saw that posted, I was like, I was like, babe, you, you realize you were the only one that, like, didn't, like, didn't do, like, sexy, princess or sexy yeah. whatever like you just that's you just... hilarious though <laughs> yeah, that is was...
1: hilarious you're right because they do have <laughs> oh. two options and she went completely left field
0: <laughs> every everyone else went the other way so um that i thought that, that was fun them. oh yeah definitely definitely fun um maybe right now raiders not so fun for the no, football no. team, they decided drama, a lot of drama they, with their
1: with your guys' wide receiver too.
0: Well, okay, so I think that maybe bit was the way of them saying like Devonte Adams, like give us a second chance because he seemed checked out. Yep. And when they were they were asking uh, higher ups, like is there any chance that Devonte Adams will be traded? They're like, no way. And I think he was super pissed about that. So <laughs> they were like, all right, we're gonna fire our GM. We're going to fire our head coach and we're going to fire our offensive coordinator. And so maybe that is a way of being like, Hey, give yeah. us a second chance. Well, you need to, and, they I mean, benched, and they benched Jimmy G. That was the yeah. first thing the, the new coach yeah. uh, Anto- I think Antonio Pierce did. Mm-hmm. He's like, Jimmy G you're on the bench. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening. I'll, I'll, I'll be at the game this week against the giants. Um, you gotta win that game, right? You gotta win that game at home. So except we, for their we,
1: quarterback, look
0: good, pretty
1: good. Who? Oh, the Giants' did, quarterback. Did you see that game? The Jets Giants no. game. It was like no, 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 no. it was like the lowest scoring game ever. Anyways, <laughs> it doesn't matter. They all look bad.
0: Yeah, um, there's a lot of bad teams. We don't. We just don't know which teams are really bad and which teams are just bad. Pittsburgh's um, really bad. Maybe it's tough to say. I mean, who knows? Um, are pretty bad, man. All right. Anyway. So world's, so world's courses. So I played at the battle for Bed- Bedford. How'd you we do played... I
1: didn't look, I usually look at all the scores and everything. What Terrible. was,
0: what was uh, who won? Just give me who, won. uh, Chris, Chris Dickerson won by seven. Ooh. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was like 10, I think I was 10 back from him or something like that. Um, so you've got like yeah. top five then. I, I ended up getting the flu, which I was really freaking annoyed about, but to be fair, whether I was sick or not, like I wasn't coming into this tournament Feeling with great, great. form. Yeah. Well, no, just like I was, wasn't really practicing ever. So yeah. um, I kind of forgot I had a disc golf tournament and I kind of forgot how much it sucks playing a tournament when you haven't practiced because you start having these expectations of where your game should be doing. And mm-hmm. you didn't. So I, I had one good round. Uh, I ended up having, Uh, the best round or tied for the best round at new London. So Chris shot five under the first day I shot five under the final day. Um, So that that's a good score out there, but I, I got to talk to Nate Heinold who is going to be the, uh, the TD at worlds next year. He's the one that him and his team are putting in the course at Ivy Hills. New London, I think, is almost pretty much done. There's a couple holes that I kind of said, hey, I think there needs to be tweaking here. Some OB added, maybe turn this one into an island just to make a couple of the holes that are kind of on the easy side a little more difficult. Yep. I, Ivy Hills is a really cool property. It gives me, it's, it's like d vibes, but on a golf course, right? So, but the golf course is a nice one. It's not like... Uh, Emporia. It's not like that dirt field that we played in yeah. in Austin. It's a Ugh, nice yeah. course. Those so, so I think, uh, I think people are going to like this world. And I'll say this, Yuli, if it is over 15 mile per hour winds, Ivy Hills is going to play tough, tough, which is I love. No, they, I think they're going to make it a little longer. I think, I think they're worried about moving it as far back as they want to because of uh it being a B tier event and the level of players playing at the event. But I it was it was a good length. It gotcha. not it, it was I, I like the course a lot. I, I think it I think it's really good as far as where it is and I think they're gonna continue to build it. So we've got videos which I can kind of explain a little bit more towards the end of the show. So you guys can make sure you can tune in and watch some of those previews. But um, I think you're going to really love new London a lot. I, I, I still think that's one of the best world's uh, wooded courses that will play all year. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to have people come into Lynchburg and kind of see what Lynchburg disc golf is all about. So it'll be, it'll be exciting times. Um, all right. Player movement rumors. Have you heard any of these? Yuli? Yeah. You, what, I okay, I can't really, like, here's the thing.
1: I can't really speak on it. Because I have, I get in the trenches, you know what I mean? And (laughs) I've, I've been known to be, you know, to try to recruit some players from time to time. So I can't, I can't, you know, I got to stay professional and make sure that everybody knows when I talk to them, that it's uh It's not going to be broadcasted on tour life. So like, this is all you, this segment, but I will, if if it's something I don't know, I will jump in
0: for sure. Okay. Well, if you're, if you're watching live right now, guys, if Yuli, you can, you can really dissect Yuli's face here and try to get, try to get a read off of what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe he gives some, maybe he gives some tells away of what I'm saying. So, um, all right. Wait, Alden Harris, Alden Harris to Dismania. Let me put my okay. poker face on. Alden Harris to Dismania. This was brought to me from and Hunter kinda, and this is kind of fire looking though. <laughs> Sorry, go well, ahead. You, you look like the Unabomber, bomber, the uh that poker player. The Yula
1: bomber. I've been the Eula
0: bomber. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I like it. Um so Alden Harris to Dismania. This was this was brought to Hunter and Trevor's attention. Because someone said they saw that he joined a dismania collector group on Facebook. So was that, that happens
1: every year? That's so funny. Was These that little things
0: happen? Was that something he didn't really think was going to be noticed, and no one thought he was going to get caught? Now I did obviously DM DM him and say, Alden, what's going on here? Do you have anything to say about this? And he said, I can confirm that means absolutely nothing. Um, he also said. Once he has the slightest idea of where I'll be next year, I'll come on tour life and tell you. Oh, so we Even might get slight. breaking new. Yeah. We might get breaking new news from Alden as of right now. He's, he's going towards the direction that, uh, he has no idea where he's going to end up. Here's the thing. But, All right. I'll jump in. Cause
1: I don't know anything about Alden, but I do know this.
0: Dude, he's a jokester.
1: Go- you don't He's go on you don't go on Discmania collectors group just to <laughs> look around, <laughs> unless you're trying to message a couple people because your homie Babcock is telling you this is a good run, that's a good run, these are rare. And here's the other thing, Discmania, they're discs. They come out and like they don't have a lot of the good stuff. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like the collector page is big time because a lot of the runs are very rare that Simon threw and the Eagle threw and all those things. And Prodigy's
0: kind of the same way, right? Like there's certain runs that people know with Prodigy that it's like you got to try to get those.
1: I will say that over the years, Prodigy has come out with a lot of discs, and and that's not. I feel like their collector market has kind of gone down a little bit because of that reason, because their discs have improved. Discmania. They just have a lot of old, their plastic that they, they, they come up with like every year seems like there's one run. And this probably happens with superstars like Simon and Eagle. They throw one thing and then everybody wants that one thing. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, no, that's
1: I'm... my take. I think I'm going to say Alden,
0: good try. He's going to Dismania. The, the only thing that gives me pause with it is the fact that he, he has been known to troll. He has been known yeah. to do some stuff for his social media. Um, so I, it's not out of the craziness that maybe oh, so he, he might was, adopt me. Yeah. Maybe he was just bored one day and was like, Hey, I bet if I join this fa- Facebook group, I can get people to think that I'm going to dysmania." Who knows?
1: But, hey, if he starts joining other places, then we can really we can really dive. Maybe next well, you week.
0: Me- you remember when we found out? I think it was last year we found out that like Dynamic Disc was creating. I think people had found out Dynamic Disc had created like a Ricky Wysocki page before it was announced. Yeah, and then and then I think they freaked out. So then they started just creating random pages for every player. Yeah. They had like a Paul Macbeth one. They probably had one for you. And so Good they were try, trying to be like, yeah. oh no, we just have like these pages for everyone. Yeah. Uh, when in fact they were uh, they were amateur they were, stuff uh, right there, yeah. man. Amateur yeah. stuff. We see yeah. right through that. Yeah. Uh Don, Don real quick, wants to know what's what am I doing? I'm I'm with Discraft for another year. So I'm signed through the end of 2024. Yuli, what's your what's your current sign uh, to
1: I'm signed through next year as
0: well. Okay, so me and so you this are year both year and Next year, I think. I signed a five oh, year. 20, okay, yeah. so you're through 2025. Mm-hmm. You have two more years. Okay. Yeah. Okay, nice. Uh, next one on is Gannon Burr. Gannon Burr has been seen. Oh, and making... I will
1: say I'm a disc for life. It doesn't matter.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Gannon Burr has been uh, seen offloading discs on Prodigy Facebook groups. So he's selling a whole bunch of his discs. There's a whole bunch of Now I have seen him do this in the past as well. Yeah. To be fair though, the last time I saw him doing this, he was also yeah. trying to get out of his prodigy yeah. contracts. So I don't know if that really holds water of like, Hey guys, no, he did this last year. It's like, well, yeah, he was doing this last year. And I think he thought he was getting out of his contract. So listen, if I was prodigy,
1: I would do everything in my power to sign that guy.
0: I would. You got to keep him. It got to keep him and Isaac, right? I mean, that not makes... just because it's it's Gannon, but
1: all the stuff that happened before. And then, and then you guys come to terms with him staying for another year. It would really look good if you figured out a way to keep him and be like, no, we, you know, we squashed all that stuff, and it was to the point where you sign him for another year. If you don't, it's just like one of those things where he was forced to be on the, on the team this year. And then now he's bouncing. You know what I mean? That's what I'm, I'm thinking. If I was Prodigy, I would be like, what's the number? Give me the number and let me sign the check.
0: And we'll make it happen. Yeah, yeah I mean, we'll, right? Yeah, we'll, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think if I'm Prodigy right now, my focus is on Gannon and Isaac. And then if I have to let other people go to create room for that, then I think I'm fine with it. I mean, I'm I, if I'm Podgy, I'm almost like fine with just having those two guys. Like that's my team, Gannon and, and Isaac. Like that's hundred percent. And Kale, I don't, you got to keep Kale. Well, sure, sure, sure. I, I wasn't really. I mean, I think Kale's almost kind of like ownership, right? I almost view him as kind of a. a but he's more still a
1: player, and he still has contracts. So all those guys sure, have contracts
0: for sure. I I I view him and like Will Schuester. I view those guys a little bit different. Then, sure. yeah. um, you know, just a, just a, you know, another player. I so, that. yep, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see kind of what ends up going with that. I think Gannon also said that once he knows what's happening, he's willing to come on here and, and kind of talk to us about where he's going and, um, you know, what that process and all that stuff look like as well. Um, next up Eagle McMahon. Now this was brought to my attention by someone I think it might in the discord I can't or maybe it was on Twitter and I think they make a really good point so Eagle just got done getting his shoulder shoulder surgery he ended up going on Instagram live and kind of talking about the process and he's saying right now four to six months is where he's looking at as far as recovery time and he's even leaning more towards like the five to six months so he doesn't even think four is in there He's also very aware that next year the, the season's super backloaded. So he's not super concerned about trying to come back early because he knows all the big tournaments are later in the season. So we might not see Eagle play in an event for, you know, another half year from now, yeah. right? That makes me kind of think he's not leaving Dismania because. If he's not throwing a disc, he's not. He said he's not going to be able to pick up a disc or really throw a disc for three to four months. If he's not doing any of that, get your me check.
1: It almost
0: makes me almost makes month, you feel. Yeah. yeah, it makes me feel like he's comfortable with di- his disc. He's comfortable with like the recovery process coming back, and then he doesn't have to learn a whole new bag. To me, that seems like that would be a lot to ask. Is come back in the middle of the season and also learn a new bag at the same time, I think that might be a little bit too much to ask. And so this, this leads to me, this leads me to believe that I think he's staying with Dismania. I don't think he's going anywhere. I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, we'll see if that ends up happening, but, uh, he's also, you know, the other big name outside of Gannon, that their contracts up at the end of the year. Uh, speaking of surgeries though, Kona also had her surgery, um, has a, I don't know if you saw, it has a crazy scar, man. Yeah. That stuff, that is wild. Um, and it looks like everything kind of went well as well. So both Eagle, Kona, we are wishing you guys a, a quick and speedy and healthy yes, recovery with absolutely. both of your guys' uh, surgeries. Um, before, you, uh, before we get, before we get um, Terry to come on, oh, I need to add one extra thing. So, Yuli, if you have something to chat about real quick, I'm going to find this link real quick so I can give it to Silas. Um, Well,
1: you know what? You played a tournament this last weekend. So did I. I. Mm. Hmm. C-tier. Two miles from my house at Boyd Hill.
0: What was the Uh, decision behind that?
1: I was right next to my house, and I enjoy playing small tournaments.
0: (laughs) Okay. Fair.
1: This guy took me to the to the very end. 924 rated player. (laughs) 924 took me to the brink. 20 holes first round. 20 holes second round. Took it to hole 38 tie ball game. Ooh. It was wild. Yeah. I ended up squeaking out the dub. Okay. But this kind of goes into when you start your rant about ratings. I want
0: to go on there as well. Yes. That'll be, that'll be, that'll be a good one. Cause Cause I, had it a sound... blast. I had a blast. Yeah. I
1: had a great group. There was only five of us in the, in the open. Hmm. Um, and I had an absolute blast.
0: It sounds so, like me and you might have some of the same points based off of what kind of the yeah. context clues you just gave me. There mm-hmm. seems like uh, we might have some of the same points. Uh, you, uh, Silas, do we have Terry yet? Or can I, can I go into disc golf costumes real quick? Oh, okay. All right. We have Terry. So we'll, we'll hold off the disc golf costumes uh, and we'll bring Terry on because we got a lot to discuss. So the man, the myth, the legend, the disc golf guy, Terry Miller joins tour life for the first time. How's it going? Good. Good. How you guys doing tonight? We appreciate your time, man. I know I, I, I listened to like all three hours of the podcast last <laughs> night. It helped me on my drive. So I know, uh, hopefully you're not all podcast out and, uh, you're, you're ready to go for, for tonight. Yeah, sure.
3: Whatever you guys need. I think I'm, uh, ready to go for it. Sure. Sweet. Terry. Um, good I'll- to
1: see you, man. How many, uh, before we go any farther, he's going to get it. He was going to go into some costume, um, pictures, but how many <laughs> times did you get tagged? I know you got to be like one of the more popular costumes as far as uh, disc golfers out there
3: you know uh, i'll say this year i didn't get tagged in any this year uh, i don't really? know if they happened or not i didn't get tagged this year the last couple of years i feel like they've been popping up from time to time yeah. but uh if somebody was out there and was uh, sporting any this weekend they did not <laughs> tag me um and and i'll i'll admit for the first time in a few years i i finally went with like somewhat of a costume myself uh, really? But I kept it on the down low and I didn't go too public with it. But uh, I was the disc golf guy, Fieri, this weekend when I was out <laughs> in Vegas. <laughs> and uh, plenty of people have already said I kind of look like him. I definitely have his physique. And so I uh, I went with the with the shirt and the earrings and the, the bracelets and the chain and uh, the sunglasses. And uh, next thing you know, uh, I think I completed the costume and got plenty of remarks about it. So uh, it it sounds like it went all right for me. Awesome.
0: If someone was trying to be Terry Miller, the disc golf guy for Halloween, what are like the, the bullet points that, you know, you being the man himself, what do you think needs (laughs) like needs to happen for it to pull off the look?
3: I, I think you have to start with a button up shirt. Of some kind that that's kind of one of my signatures. I know a lot of our, our fellow broadcasters are in some kind of polo. I'm, I'm very particular to a button up. It can be somewhat loud, but only certain patterns and colors uh, are, are within the realm that are acceptable, but uh, definitely a button up shirt. Uh, I feel like, you know, I I had to trim down to a goatee to go with the guy Fieri, but some kind of facial hair goatee slash, you know, uh, an attempt at a beard. Um, lately I've been going a little more natural with the hair, but I feel like a hair of some kind of, uh, doing your hair in some capacity is required. Now I've had a few different styles, but yeah, you have to put effort into the hair in yeah. some way. And then if, if you're sporting, a you know, uh, a, a, a disc golf bag in the front, uh, like I do, and you're carrying a little extra weight around in the front, that's not going to hurt you either. So I feel like those are, I feel like those are some of the main components, sunglasses Uh, or no
0: sunglasses
3: uh, sunglasses usually sunglasses depending on what my role is sunglasses often tucked into the shirt uh here well these are these are my uh my clear glasses that i use for when i'm on mopeds in thailand but yeah like tucked into the top (laughs) top of the shirt is a way to go uh, but sunglasses you're right and if if you're still out there listening um, blenders I know you're all like on Deion Sanders these days but I was on blenders before Deion Sanders was so <laughs> blender uh, I, I'm ready for a few free pair if you want to send them my way so good call yeah sunglasses as well and then if you take off the sunglasses you definitely have to have like a red face because you you refuse to wear sunscreen um, so maybe a so little sunburn yeah, yeah like... a little yeah, a little, a little flush. flush action. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so I, I want to jump into it because you know we have some some pe- listeners on here that are are new to disc golf, and okay. I'm sure they have probably have seen you either on coverage or have seen your commentary on YouTube, or maybe they have seen your um, your podcast on Smashbox as well. But can you give a little background to kind of how like where the transition of you as a player to you as a media personality to now as a commentator on the disc golf network how that kind of all transpired
1: and before you get started one thing i also just saw on the interwebs somebody post a nice little video of you in like the 2001 united states disc golf champ was that the one floating around it yeah, was, pro tour, it, Yeah, yeah, the pro tour through a a
3: flashback. It was, it was an episode that I think had part of the USDGC uh, coverage in it. Okay. But okay. the shot was me throwing up at Sandy Point Resort, one of my favorite places in the world, and I was throwing a putt playing in the team tournament up there. And I think that was from 2002, if I recall. But yeah, it was it was old school, and it was funny to see so many people reacting like, "Oh, I never knew he even he even played." Oh my like, gosh, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, so I'll get into that. So, um, you know, I I picked up my first disc in the early nineties when I was in like seventh grade, uh, seventh, eighth grade played for quite a few years immediately, you know, throughout college found that I loved playing, but also that I loved the kind of the behind the scenes stuff. So running tournaments, I think I ran my first tournament when I was like 18 or 19, uh, sanctioned tournament, which kind of at the time was a big deal. Not so much today, but, um, Ran tournaments, did the club thing, started doing demos and clinics. And uh, next thing you know, I quit my corporate job in 03. After graduating, after two years of college, I quit my corporate job at Kohl's and uh, just made disc golf a living ever since then. And from 2003 to 2010, it was designing courses, running leagues, running dozens or hundreds of tournaments. Uh, clinics, demos, selling discs, all those things, and then in 2010, in January, in the very room I'm sitting in, I recorded my first ever video blog, and Mm. I just uh, thought, well, I'll just uh, talk about what's going on in disc golf, and started to record that, and then it was like a year or two later is when I went to the memorial, and I'm like, hey, like, instead of just me talking about like the newest products that are out, why don't I why don't I interview like Avery and Nico and Climo? Like I'm, I'm friends with all those people. Yeah. I'll just interview them. That'll give my blog a little bit more cred. And then that's when I found out about things like B roll and, and, and learned how to do a little bit of more editing and things of that nature. And from there, uh, 2013 or 2014, uh, we started Smashbox, which was uh the live so it's been
0: 10 years, it's been over 10 years almost.
3: Yeah, uh, 2010, January of 2010 is when I started my very first blog, like, uh you know, coming up on what almost 14 years to the day. And um, Disc Golf Planet was doing live disc golf around 2009, 2008, 2009, somewhere in that time frame, and they were doing live. And myself and Johnny V, my best friend, we were volunteering countlessly. Like we were on pretty much almost every production they did. And we were just volunteering. Like I was doing some reporting. I was doing some hosting, whatever they wanted. I was just there to volunteer. And then it was 2014. We said, Hey, we think they're being somewhat inefficient with the way they're doing it. It was insanely expensive. And for what they were putting out, it was expensive. And, and that was when YouTube was switching into a slightly different model about allowing free live uh, broadcasting. Mm-hmm. And we just thought we could build a better mousetrap. And we uh, then ended up going live like six or eight or ten times in 2014. And then a couple years later, 2016 rolled around and the Pro Tour started. And Smashbox was the exclusive live provider for all disco. we were the only one eh, there was one or two other outfits that tried and failed pretty quickly, but we were the only one that had any form of traction or consistency and then uh you know, kind of pro tour 2.0 came along, and we were even more involved, and now they were up to ten or twelve or fifteen events, and now you know uh, we were kind of the back end for the last three years, part of the back end of the pro tour for the last uh, three years.
0: So So Smashbox started as live disc golf, and then you ended up putting a podcast together on the same YouTube channel.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So we, we, you know, and meanwhile I was doing still dabbling in all of my post-production and learning what that was and, and going from event to event on my own. But then in 2014 we said, yeah, let's, let's invest. And it was, it was a 10 or 15 or 20 grand at the time, which nobody was paying anything for. And so we invested in it. And then when we got to the end of the year, it was November. And we're like, well, USDGC is done. And what are we going to do to remain relevant until the next probably memorial? Because that used to be kicking off the year in the biggest way. So we said, oh, well, let's just do a podcast during the off season. Mm. And then we thought the day like the memorial started, like our podcast would go away for the entire season and then we just pick (laughs) it back up. Well, so November a little backwards, of... <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, in November of 2014, at that point, we uh, started the podcast, not having any idea really what we were doing there either because podcasts were not what it is today. And uh, we did the podcast from uh, 2014, and 478 episodes later, we just wrapped up last night's after three and a half hours.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so, so, yeah, that's the so, long
3: journey. That's the abridged but yet long journey.
0: So, the Smashbox going into kind of like the Disc Golf Pro Tour and the Disc Golf Network, you and uh, you you just kind of like, were you approached by the Disc Golf Pro Tour as like, hey, we want you being a commentator as well as uh, also with Smashbox coming on board? Or was that like your idea of trying to get behind a mic? No, not at all. I've, um, you know it's, most people have no idea that
3: live disc golf for the first few iterations by Smashbox were two people like Johnny V in Milwaukee and me on the ground i was carrying the 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 unit to transmit the signal i was filming and i was commentating all from one camera right next to the players like that was the whole operation what now is like 29 people used to be two <laughs> and Uh, Obviously it's grown and it's a million times better now, but we eventually got to two or three people and then we had cameramen and then we were still commentating from on the ground and the remote booth was an insane idea and not really plausible even. And so when Steve Dodge started the pro tour and he called me up and said, here's my idea for the pro tour. And we were good friends and we talked about it. He said, one thing that's going to set this tour apart from every other tournament is we're going to guarantee live coverage of every event. And we, again, were the only ones doing it. And so that was me and like two other people, me, Johnny V and uh, another buddy of ours. And so it wasn't a matter of like, Oh, this is, I am dying to get on a mic. It was a matter of like, this is all the people we have. Gotcha. I'm going to do this job. Johnny V is going to press the buttons and I'm going to talk like, gotcha. Were, that was the division of labor. Cause that's all the labor we had.
0: And, so you guys almost, the, the pro tour almost hired you guys as like a like a production contractor 100%. initially. Like, okay, gotcha. Yeah, right. I didn't know that. Who, gotcha. Yeah. They basically came
3: along and said, we we want to we're going to contract you in 2016 for the five live events that we have and that was the only semblance we had of a contractor schedule was of guaranteed because no one else was investing in live like Mm. it was it just wasn't a thing yet and it was really expensive compared to uh the almost nothing that was otherwise being paid for media and so Only a few tournaments, you know, you were a big deal if you had live disc golf and it's kind of still true today, but that was, uh, that was the, one of the major deciding, you know, differentiators from the pro tour, from a national tour or any other event in the, in the world was that he was guaranteeing live would be there. And that was me and Johnny V.
0: (laughs) Oh, Okay. All right, well I've got I've got tons of questions and we've got some listener questions too that decide not to hold back which I'm sure you you'll be excited to hear some of these coming up as well. So okay. I want to jump I want to jump into these first off. The first one, the first thing outside of like obviously I knew about your videos and you making, you know, hundreds of these commentary videos and you know, you called them vlogs basically and that was a that was a terminology that kind of just died at a certain point in time but yeah, uh, yeah, i was I,
1: 41 number number four <laughs> video vlog 41 terry miller interviewed me at the 2010 world championships, world championships. and i'll yeah, you were doing it. well in crown point yeah because yeah, we i remember a being like oh room. my gosh i'm so important I get, i'm getting interviewed right now i'm you know i'm doing good that was episode 41 or uh video vlog 41 Anyways. Yeah. So,
0: so the two, the two things that I, when I came into disc golf, the two things that I was told and like kind of introduced to you was the disc golf guy, YouTube channel. And the second one was putting world champion. Okay. So okay. Now, sorry, <laughs> don't worry about the balloons. This is, this is the thing we have to deal with. Um, <laughs> I, I can do all, I can do all sorts of crazy things over here if we really want to get crazy. So, um, what is your thoughts now on the PDGA saying no, Terry Miller actually is not a putting world champion? Well, for sure. There starters, was never, never a thing. That was never well, a thing. No,
3: no, no. To be clear, I was not ever the putting world champion in 2011. Um, I, what they did is they had the putting qualifiers like they do every worlds. And that was one okay. of the few places I was like, Hey, you know, cause I wasn't winning any distance competitions. And, and so edge and putting were the two places that I had a chance to do well outside of maybe playing. And so they had all the qualifiers and I think I was in the top I don't, I don't even know four or five in terms of all the qualifiers. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. Cause I had already attended t- like 10 or 12 worlds and every worlds runs their competitions differently. I had attended every world since 96 at that point. So here we are in 2011 and then in 2011, they had us go down to the wharf in Santa Cruz, right? Oh, nice! And they set up like two, four or five baskets and they had all these different stations and they went in reverse order. So if you had 22 points, you went first. If you had 23 points in the qualifier, you went next, so on and so forth. So they go through all these people and then I'm at the very end because I think the one or two people that had qualified higher than me didn't show like Yeti might've been one of them. He had me by a point or two. So they go through all these people and we get to the very end and then it's me to go. And the score has been set. I don't even know at what number we'll just say 30 the score had been set and you have two minutes to run around to these eight different stations and throw all these putts. Do you remember In the this? Sand. In, the, In sand. the sand.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're, so playing, you're, you're playing sand disc golf. Yeah. Heck yeah.
3: <laughs> and, and the, the, the putts range from probably 18 feet to 35 or 40 feet. And you had like two minutes to do the, this loop and there's like five putters at each station. And I remember running through and I was the last guy to go. The score had been set relatively high and I'm running, I'm going through and I'm doing all right. I finally find a rhythm after getting really nervous. I find a rhythm and I start nailing a bunch. We get to the very end. I throw up the last putt, and I was like, oh, I'm short. And then everyone starts screaming. says, no, you have another station. So I run over to the next station, not realizing I had one more to go. And I hit like three out of five and I won it. Uh, Won the whole thing. And like, there was a, there's, I don't know, a few hundred people down there. It was
0: awesome. It was, uh, definitely a career barefooted highlight too. You yeah. To, barefooted. You threw, yeah. He had to take his shoes off. I, I remember that. <laughs> well, you, can't have, you can't have socks in your shoes. That's like a big that no.
1: specifically to where he like stopped and we're like, no dude, you got another one. He's like, oh, runs over there, makes a couple. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. So
3: it was, um, you know, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I, 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 I considered that the speed putting champion or speed world put whatever, but it wasn't it wasn't like our standard putting that we've kind of standard. I'll even use standard in a quotes now. The, the putting competition for for years has been varied at worlds, gotcha. and Jay Jay Yeti could give you four hours probably on that uh, as one of the top contenders year after year. But it, yeah, there's a few times I finished near the top in the putting competition in that particular year. I won the speed putting. There's a vlog on it uh, somewhere out there because I think I, that I interviewed Josh at... Anthon who I beat and he was considered arguably one of the best putters on the planet at the time. Still still one of the best putters. Yeah. And I beat him yeah. and then I rubbed it in. So nice.
1: Yeah. But you actually, but you won. That was the, I remember it was uh, well, the world championship <laughs> putting competition. I, I, I guess it just was a just because it was because a it was, format. It was different format doesn't mean anything. It, it was I still mean, we have weird formats all the time. One year we threw downhill for the long drive distance.
3: Yeah, competition
1: uh what was that in Michigan?
3: Michigan in 08. Yeah, 08, Michigan yeah. in 08. Yeah. Yeah. So That was
1: my only top top 10 <laughs> in the long drive competition.
0: Dang, I should I should have showed up if it was super downhill. I should have showed up with an ultra star just let that thing glide all the way down, baby. Yeah. So, um,
1: so don't try
3: so to call call it whatever it is. You know, I I think I don't know if I'm more proud of that or in 08. I won the only offered Pro Glow World Championships over oh. at Colebrook. You remember, or did you do that, Yuli? Probably. I didn't Maybe. do the.
1: I didn't. I was there, but I definitely did. I would know be, Colbrook, Colbrook yeah. destroyed me in the tournament. <laughs> that ruined my whole tournament. That place. And that's the only reason I cashed is because I
3: destroyed that course. Yeah. So. So that yeah, they had brutal. glow. They had glow that year. Uh, on like a Friday night and I went and did the glow and I won, I've won more money at that course than probably any park in the country. It's super tight and technical and short and wooded. And, uh, then I played it in glow and I, I destroyed the glow field as well. (laughs) So I'm, I'm proud of that one as well. Those are my, those are two big moments. I
1: I mean, I mean,
3: I mean, whatever, or,
0: or I'm just some guy who doesn't know anything on the microphone. Okay. So back, <laughs> back to
1: Brody's original question though.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause te- technically, technically, but no matter what you want to call it, the PDGA does not recognize yes. it as a world champion anymore. They, I, they have decided to strip all that, even though they, it was there, they claim that it never was a thing. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I, I side with Climo who has notoriously said,
3: those are nothing but a bunch of reindeer games anyway. Um, <laughs> like I'm good with that. They, they are extra events at worlds that are fun. They, they don't always have the top competitors that could win it even playing in them. Am I proud of those moments? Of course. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not, I'm not legitimately demanding any, any sponsors make up a commemorative disc for me uh to recognize them. If they wanted to fine, but I'm not that's not in my demands. Okay, fair. Uh, so fair I'm, enough. I'm okay with that. It it's cool to be a doubles world champ. I filmed a ton of those. Like those are really cool things to happen, but they are currently still basically side games to the worlds. Sure. That's how I, I feel.
0: I just didn't like that the PDJ is like trying to act like they never classified them as a world championship when, in fact, there is articles written on their website saying world championship. So that, that that's my only take on it, but um, uh, sure, but we, we can, we can move on. We can move on. Um, all right. Talk to me about this disc golf storage business. What, what is this? <laughs> you, you, you have boxes or something what's going on here. I've got all of your shipping
3: and disc golf needs. No, I, uh, a number of years ago, I, uh, again, backing way up. I used to sell on eBay way back in the day, w- way back when eBay was in its heyday. Uh, and eventually when I got back into selling even more discs online through Facebook and such, I just, there was one option, but shipping in boxes became a new standard at some point. Right. And you know, people were doing bubble envelopes with a piece of cardboard. And then like the next graduation was to cardboard boxes. And there was one gentleman in the Midwest that made them. And I just, I didn't care for his business practices. And so I thought, well, I'm going to ship my own discs in my own boxes and did a lot of research and went out and had a die made up and had these produced to make these shipping boxes. And then after a year or two of just sitting on that, I was like, Oh, maybe I should like really offer these up and sell them to people. And so um, I took a play off of the Saturday night live skit and uh, offer up my disc in a box, which are uh, (laughs) made for shipping discs uh, to people. And now I don't want to say nine out of 10, but I bet you quite a few discs that either of you receive or, or pass through you at some point or around you are likely in a box that I had made up at some point. And they're great because people recycle them and, and everything else. And again, they, yep. yeah, they pro- Protect your disc better. So I created it uh, again, like an entrepreneur. I feel like just like the live, like I felt I could build a better mousetrap, so to speak, or or improve on a product. You know, I didn't invent cardboard or boxes or mailing, but uh, I feel like my boxes are better than what we're currently out there. And if people want to use them,
0: I'll ship them to them.
1: Disc in a box. I don't know if we should be having you two. Saying those types of I'm not. Fricks. I'm not. I'm, not saying, I'm. As you see,
0: I'm not trying to say it at all. I'll let you promote it as much as you want. Yeah. You just, I, I. I already know what happens when I get close to saying stuff like that. So, um. All right. Next. Next topic. Um. Something that I think you have, you know, seen over the years is as as, and we'll kind of get. I, I do want to get a little bit kind of into the hater talk a little bit because I like sure. how you go after people. Uh, I respect okay. that a lot. But before we go there, so a topic that is brought up a whole lot is commentary, and you and Yuli both both are in post and live commentary. What kind of training, like professional training, if any, is being done right now for the disc golf network?
3: Um, short answer is not enough, uh, in my opinion, and and I I think they recognize and know that um, m- my background is in live disc golf commentary has been nothing but my own experience. And I think that's the, the same for most of our commentators, whether they're uh, color analyst or whether they're play-by-play or, you know, host slash play-by-play. And I I would go as far as saying, I don't think there has been enough training in a formal or professional capacity and I know that is a a piece of feedback that the tour has accepted and hopefully is striving to address. Cause, Cause we want it. I know I want it. I know Nate Doss wants it and and Val all of us, any one of us that sits there, as far as I know, any one of us, if we were, you know, given a training or a lesson, whether it's a multi-day or a 10-hour seminar or a half-hour feedback session and or anything in between, we would take constructive criticism and professional training and feedback. Um, But that currently isn't happening.
0: You guys started something, which I thought was something that was very needed on the live coverage. And that was, you started like the pre-show or what what is it Mm. called now? Tournament central tournament central. And that was something that I thought was a huge, huge thing because you know, you tune in to disc golf at, three o'clock and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, we're on hole one. And you're, there's just like, no buildup. Yeah. There's no buildup. There's nothing. Whatever happened to those two people, there was like two people that were there for like a week that were doing tournament central. And then like, they just disappeared. What, what, what what went down there?
3: Uh, I I don't know all the details to be, to uh, let me, let me before I even go any further with that um, it's, I think it's of note. I, I am not a, an employee of the Disc Golf Pro Tour, the Disc Golf Network. I'm a independent contractor. Well, Smashbox was contracted both the services of me and Johnny V uh, for the last three years. We've had a, a contract, um, but I'm an independent contractor essentially versus some of the paid employees. Now, most of is that most,
0: is that all the commentary
3: people? I was just gonna say most of the commentary people are. The exception now being Brian Earhart. I want to say he's the, he's the from a talking head perspective, he's the only full-time employee of the network versus myself, Philo, Ian, uh, Sexton Doss, Jenkins, uh, Zoe, is that, is that uh, Charlie. Charlie, uh, Juliana. So everyone at Perkins... Every one of those people are contracted in some capacity. So I I, okay. I, I, feel like that's worth making that distinction right off the top.
0: Um, and your question was, uh, what, what again? There was, so you guys started the tournament central thing oh, yeah, okay, yeah. and you start with two people that no one had any idea who these people were. And then they just like vanished. Yeah. Like a um, week later or something. Yeah, I, were, the, they, I, were they just terrible? I
3: think the initiative was to have this the show this tournament central which you know is is trying to do what you were you know asking for in terms of a lead up and then a post game as well and i think one of the biggest challenges there is that it was largely remote and they were remote from each other and they hadn't worked together and they both uh liz knows disc golf considerably and the other gentleman i think andre didn't know disc golf quite as well And then you put them with a little bit of a time delay and that they're remote also then from a producer. And it, it, I think it just, it exaggerated any challenges that they might've had in getting comfortable. And so ultimately um, they, they both, I I don't know if they both got frustrated or I, I, I can't really speak to exactly how it all went down, but I know that um you know, then there was a different combo that was kind of tried out, and then eventually, I, I think Brian more or less, you know, stepped in and said, "Hey, I'm I'm more than happy to help be part of this as well. I have some ideas." And then uh, it was Music City. I was the first host of the reboot of that, and I did it from this very room, and Perkins and Earhart were on the ground, and that went really well. But you had three very seasoned, you know, talkers, yeah. so to speak. And then it continued to still evolve where we got Dustin involved and uh, Grant Zellner and a number of other people. But we were pulling from a pool now of a lot more of our established and regular, you know, talking heads. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think those those few people were really up against a tall task. And I don't think the technology... And the, the smoothness of the overall show was quite there yet. So I just, I don't, I don't want to say it was set up to fail because that's clearly not it. But there was just, the I think the, the challenges were greater than I think we even realized, especially with a couple of new faces. So if that kind of answers your question. Yeah. I'm not sure, you know, how the relationships went or who did what or how that all unfolded. But right now it looks like we're leaning more into, you know, established uh, commentators. Makes sense.
0: What are your thoughts? Uh, You know, was there any discussion with uh, Smashbox getting snubbed this year at the Grippies for the uh, longest podcast award? Uh,
3: I didn't know of uh, said uh, categories. Do you know
0: who you guys lost to? No idea. (laughs) You're on the show, brother.
3: Oh, okay. You're so, on the show. What? That you guys are longer first than time, we are?
0: First time Grippies winner. <laughs> Let's go, you two. How huge, does huge. that make any... It was huge. Category? Know, what
3: is
1: this category?
0: I don't know, man. What is this category?
1: Hey, we didn't give the award away. I don't, yeah,
0: we. <laughs> I don't know. The Grippies is not us, brother. We just <laughs> we just won me. the award. We just accepted it. I don't know what you yeah, want. I don't. Tell me what what's the premise to the award? Oh, good question. It's, the award is literally called longest podcast. <laughs> I, other than that, I don't know. That's just what the that's awards the Number called.
3: one criticism besides being <laughs> on me that of our podcast is that we're too laughing long and somehow you you jokes come it's along. Tough. And it's what? tough. What? It's tough. I don't know,
0: man. I know. Maybe it, next I think, year I think this, maybe
2: next this is year, what you, I think. Maybe next Terrence. year. <laughs> listen, I think it's break. because
1: I think it's because we're so hard to listen to that it feels like it's <laughs> like six yeah. hours, you know? That so I mean, maybe that's a compliment we can throw <laughs> your guys' way. I just the time uh, flies when listening to Smashbox.
0: Exactly, you know? yeah, exactly. I
3: mean, who, who's working the stopwatch over there Nico? I mean, <laughs> like not realizing how long we're going. I mean, yeah. give me a break. Like that doesn't hey, maybe, make any
0: sense. You know, something yeah. that you guys can work on the off season, maybe come out <laughs> next year and just, you know, give it your all. Yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe we you can pull it four, off
1: almost four freaking hours last night, but <laughs> it, it was like this. How fast did you get home? Brody listening. Oh, to
0: oh no problem. I was <laughs> flying through Memphis, flying through <laughs> Knoxville, little rock. See you later. I was good. <laughs> I mean, uh, I,
3: I don't know. Okay. I mean, it, I, I, if there's not any inside collusion by, by whatever the,
0: Foundation. I actually don't. I even know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't even know who really puts on the wards. They just, they we just get an email that says you've won a grippy. So yeah. well, it, as far as I'm concerned, it might be an anonymous war. I don't know really who's for yeah. all. Uh, I for what it's worth, I didn't know we were even
3: in the running or there was a nomination well, where that happened. That's awesome so they, yeah, that you guys. That tells that you guys much I'm concerned.
0: That's yeah. awesome that you guys were
1: in there
3: too. Yeah. though.
0: Yeah, you were close. You were close. It was close. Apparently. Um, okay. All right. So next next year. There's been, uh, I almost said scuttlebutt and now I did say it, which I don't know if that's a word that either one of you guys ever use your vocabulary, but there has been some scuttlebutt about wanting to see Terry Miller back on the disc golf course. And you've got, (laughs) you got two people right here that do practice round videos. You got me Mm -hmm. and Ezra, and then you Mm -hmm. got Yuli on the Joe mess side. What are the chances of seeing the disc golf guy on a practice round video next year?
3: Um, the, as our producer would say, the, the, chance is greater than zero, but, uh, that's about all that I can say. I, I don't, what if don't we know. find
1: a sandy beach where you can uh, yeah, run yeah. around?
3: <laughs> I mean, if, if every hole is like sub 300 feet and they're technical, then, then maybe then, then I have a chance to not embarrass myself. Portland but, Open. Uh What Portland Open? (laughs) Those are wide open, seven hundred footers. (laughs) I'm not an idiot. (laughs) Sounds perfect. Yeah, no, that roller game ball. (laughs) I was thinking, you know, uh, like a Waco. Waco could be uh, nice. A a Waco or or maybe uh, an Idlewild. Those would be. Or let's just go to Colbrook. Like, let's make a special (laughs) trip (laughs) over to Colbrook. Um, and, and there's my, there's my best chance to look all right. I didn't, I didn't fully embarrass myself during this year's, uh, celebrity pro-am or last year's, I guess. And that, that might be the highest note I can go out on. I don't know. I don't know. Putting myself on camera. As funny as it sounds, I get nervous too. Uh, cause I clearly I haven't been filmed like everybody else. So I don't know if I want to set myself you up for be. that kind of you scrutiny. You might have been
1: in front of the camera more than anybody ever in but, disc golf history. But not golfing. But not no.
3: golfing in front no. of the camera. And, yeah, my D- skills aren't different what animal. they were. Yeah, my skills weren't what they were in 2007. Didn't yeah.
1: you shoot a 18 under par once on your home course? Yeah, on a pitch and putt local league course. <laughs> I remember, but, dude. I yeah. remember, I remember yeah, the I'm, stories flying back in the short day. Short
3: and technical is, is my bread and butter. That's for sure.
0: Well, next time you come down to Dallas, I have to take you out the dashes. It'll it'll be your ah, favorite course. Okay, it's, okay. It's, I played two rounds out there today. It's phenomenal. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Okay. Um, okay. Speaking of tournaments and courses, what what is your all time favorite to- tournament? Do you have one that sticks out to you? Cole, Colebrook's off the table. There's enough about Colebrook. <laughs> this, this is more. Yeah, this is more. This is more on the commentary side, not so much maybe you playing because people want to. Call. Wanna, yeah, people, mm. you know, new newer disc golfers want to maybe have something of being like, "Hey, I've never heard of this tournament. I've never seen coverage. This is a good one to go back and watch." What's what's something that you can give some someone, you know, one of these twenty and twenty twenty disc golfers, uh, something to watch that you you thought was a great tournament?
3: I, I mean, I did, one of my favorite ones to always call, and it's uh, it's you know the number one course in the in the country in the world is Maple Hill. And I I largely say that too because I've spent more time at Maple Hill than any other course on tour, right? So I'm I'm more intimately familiar with that course than than OTB, right? So that to me, that's when I think back to some of my favorite memories and some of the the courses and the shots and the difficulty. And people, I just unless you've been to Maple Hill. I don't think you can appreciate how difficult a tee shot like hole six or hole seven really is. You think of the fun stuff on on fourteen or the fun stuff on eight, but six and seven are just so challenging. So, uh, and then even the difficulty on eighteen. I mean, our our top level pros make eighteen look so manageable, and that's why. Steve Dodges has effed with it every year for the last 20 years because people keep playing it better. And so when I think about top level golf, I think about anything that's been at Maple Hill throughout the years. And it, I, I don't know. I don't know if it fully comes through on camera, but I hope it comes through in the commentary and the excitement that it's, it's a special place.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. I, I love that. And I, I've always told people, I think the number one destination place, like if you were going to do a guy's trip to play some disc golf, you do a week or half a week at Maple Hill, and then you do the other half up at smugs. It's not, it's it's super drivable between those two and they're close enough to where you can knock them both out back to back and you'll get three awesome courses and have a really good time. So I, I I think it works for the pros. And I also think it works for the AMS because especially Maple Hill, there's so many different layouts that you can play to where it's just different every time. And it's
1: exciting for you guys to call it because the holes are so hard down the stretch that you just never know what's going to happen. And it's usually tight, you know, Mm -hmm. like this year with Matty O winning from the second card, like it wasn't even close. And that's so bizarre that, Oh, that the lead, just so you know, the, the lead card also won the grippy, I think, this year for biggest choke job of the year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean,
3: yeah. I was pretty hilarious, mean, but just, yeah, that's a whole other story. Like, when's the last time we saw the, you know, uh, somebody ice out, so to speak, the entire card by just taking, taking it away from them off yeah. the chase? Like, that's a whole nother, you know, insane story yeah. of the year.
0: Yeah, yeah that, I, was, that was crazy. I,
3: yeah, and I agree with you that uh, you know, Smuggler's Notch, you know, has a little bit for everybody again of those two courses. I I would I would play 10 rounds at at uh Brewster before I'd play a second right. round at Fox Run Meadows mm. just because mm. of my preference of golf. But uh, mm-hmm. both the fact that you have those options on the same property in this beautiful place. And this, usually this great time of year in fall, I totally agree. Yeah. Make those, make those trips for sure.
0: All right. Let's get, let's get this in the books here. What is the proper way to pronounce the number one <laughs> FPO player in the world? What, what, what are we going with? Kristen Tatar. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you're going with in 2024. You're doing that every time? I'm not saying that's what
3: I'm going with, but... That is the proper way? I feel like if if you're going all in, you have to go all in on her first name as well, or you can. Kristen Tatar is, in my opinion, uh, again, I'm deaf in one ear, which is a whole other story as a commentator, (laughs) but when I hear her... Say her name. That's what I hear, and I am. And for anyone that's that's mishearing me, I am not adding an extra R in there. I am not saying T A R T A R. I'm saying Tatar. <laughs> okay. But what I can tell I, you, why
0: why does your face look like a ventriloquist <laughs> person when you're saying it? He's like you don't like really Concentrating. Yeah, nothing moves <laughs> except for your mouth. You're just like, that's that.
3: That's <laughs> that. Uh, that's So uh, what I am convinced of and and. What I will say is, even if I am not 100 percent correct on that and do not have it 100 percent nailed, it is much closer than the previous version of Tatar. OK, that's I know fair. that much. I've had enough (laughs) Estonians and other Europeans confirm with me. Some have said I'm dead on. Some have said I'm really close, but all have said, I'm much closer than
0: Tatar. Am I a terrible person? When I play with someone that is from a different country that doesn't, you know, English is not their language. And, you know, I ask them what their name is and they say something to me and I say, what was that? And then they say it again. And I'm like, okay. I can't say that. Am I a terrible person for like calling them Peter when maybe their name is like Peter? something, like <laughs> something different, something like I <laughs> can't like, roll Tatar. my, I, that's her, That's <laughs> like, his name. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. You know, like I, this is an interesting question. Cause I've yeah. always, I've never, I've never been really, I mean, my name's not, I guess you can't really mispronounce my Brody, name. What if you showed up in every t- every announcer in Europe called you Brody Smith like because they couldn't say Brody I mean I couldn't say I couldn't pronounce my L's when I was a kid I actually also was I don't know if you were born with deaf in one ear but I actually was born deaf in both ears so I had like a really bad speech problem growing up so like I would say yellow like I couldn't I couldn't say the L's and um I I I don't know I don't know what tangent I'm going on but if I, if I was in a different country and they were having a, ch- a hard time pronouncing my name for whatever reason, I've, I, I wouldn't. But I'm also, like, I'm not probably the best person to, people, to ask that question because I don't people, really get offended by anything.
1: People in other countries, like, pronounce my, my name, like, spot on.
0: Oh, they're better. I,
1: oh, yeah. They're way better. They roll their R's. They get after it. Here in America, it's just like... Pfft goes all over the place
0: yeah i've always just want i don't want to be rude but at the same time like i there's certain words that i struggle that are american words that i struggle uh, i mean you hear yeah. it right here yeah. you well, listen enough to this podcast people are telling me like yeah. it's not i struggle ex- with it too it's not it's not ex- exception it's especially or well i don't even yeah. know what the word is yeah, it's like so it's it's nice. especially which which is again that's
3: that's part of us learning in that yeah. i used to say um Especially, like EX, especially, like especially. And Nate Doss used to say it all the time as Mm -hmm. well. And once somebody corrected me, I think on our podcast and said, it's not especially, it's especially, I then tried to take note of that. And of course I want to improve. And then when I noticed Nate was saying it while we were doing a show one time, I said, hey, just so you know, it's easy to do. This is a word I screw up or have screwed up for the last 30 years. Just so you know, and he works really hard to yep. fix that mistake. And that that's maybe as a side note, that's maybe something that I hate is people like there's words that people didn't realize that they're saying wrong. Uh, So there's one, there's one problem there. And then there's another problem when like, you you don't have to be an absolute, you know, jerk about it. And somebody's probably if they know it, and if you give constructive feedback and criticism, then somebody can improve on it. And that's why I've said for decades, when someone's like, Hey, man, you fat ass, you suck. Okay, cool. (laughs) Or, or you could say, Hey, just so you know, you're saying especially wrong. And it's not like one of those is useful. The other one is not yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I know that's the whole definition of const- constructive criticism, but some people just don't get that. And they just think it's yeah. easier just to be a jerk and and not really do anything that's going to help you improve. So, so is it the one so that got me was especially a- a- no, it's, especially it's especially that's and what especially. most people do. I especially. Think, am I, am I say, saying that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's especially. Uh,
0: I, I, that's now the word that people me, hate me saying it so I'm trying, I'm trying i'm trying to get better at it especially especially yeah. yep i think i say x i definitely think i say X. especially
3: y- you put an x in there just like i did for decades because yeah. i never knew otherwise like i just flat especially. out started pronouncing yeah. the name the word wrong why so. is
1: further wrong I well got, it's, it's well farther. because it's
3: well no, no no it depends if you're, talking, you're talking about disc golf no it well it depends it like if you want to say hey um uh let's go further into this yeah, that is correct right, right. but if i want to say hey i throw farther than you you yeah. would say "Far." when you're talking about actual distance like yeah, literal it's distance it's farther just think of your boy uh crush crushes shirt who says i throw farther than you because it's like you used to have on the back of the crush shirt, Robbie Bratton, right? Mm -hmm. You used to wear that shirt. So I, so I use this as my, as my uh, thing to remember it by when it's actual distance, it's farther. And when it's
0: figuratively, it's further. See that? I also also didn't know that. I also didn't know that until five years ago. But here's the thing, guys. We're talking about the English language, and I put syrup on my waffles, but I put syrup on my pancakes. Syrup. So <laughs> syrup? This is What's this syrup? is a you know, this is this is the this is a this is tough. It's tough to it's tough to figure it out. But, syrup, what is um, syrup? I've never heard of syrup. It's before. delicious. You should try it out. It's very good. Um. All right. Let's let's keep going. We got a couple I more questions. Don't want to go down before... that route or that route. Yeah. yeah right? <laughs> a couple more questions Wait, before we get
3: you up, out of here, Fatty
0: Brody.
1: You just <laughs> <laughs> shut up, Fatty. You should hey,
0: not say on. that, Brody. What is your deal? On. <laughs> um. All right. So let, so let's let's talk about a little bit of the negative feedback because oh. have you seen like when you first were putting out YouTube videos, were there was there negative feedback on those or have you seen as the sport gets bigger and bigger, as you have gotten more and more popular, more of that negative feedback.
3: It definitely has grown one because I was one of the only people putting out content. And so not to say that, well, you have to be happy with, cause it's the only thing I mean, there was clearly even negativity there. Some people just flat out. Don't like me. Don't we Like the way I pronounce things, you know, cause I have a Midwestern accent. And so some people just get really hung up if I say bag or bag wrong or however they want to, you know, say that it's said some people think I have some kind of, um, you know, attitude about a player or, or just because, or I make a joke that doesn't land or I make a joke that does land, but you just don't like it. Like great examples, the Gannon Burr situation not too long ago, where I said something about his putting and me, you know, seeing a beard being grown. Like the people, <laughs> most people knew that was funny Aladies. and or true. But if you're a huge, like, hardcore Ganon fan and you're on the fence of not liking me, well, like, that's going to just send you over the edge. You definitely (laughs) hate me for that. Like, and that's, that's. I mean, those are just the numbers I have to play with, right, if I'm going to take any kind of risk whatsoever. Um, So, yeah, it is definitely grown. And then it's also grown because I'm sure other commentators and other figureheads have come into the sport and they just prefer somebody else so again because our society is all jacked up it's not good enough that you just may prefer yuli over me you have to then tell me that you prefer yuli over me and Mm -hmm. it's like okay thanks i guess um so yeah it, it definitely and then of course just the sport the numbers right the numbers have grown here one of my greatest Semi analogies is there's like literally Facebook groups of I hate Joe Buck or I hate Troy Aikman or I hate whomever right there's Facebook groups there's probably Twitter or uh, Reddit threads and threads. what all these hate around all these multi million dollar professional broadcasters for a billion different reasons and you have to think how much can they possibly care if they're doing their job that the network likes. And they are, by and large, on the right path. You you just can't win over everybody. And I I cannot stress that enough, that as much as I'd love for people to like what I'm doing and and hopefully enjoy it, this, some people are never going to like my dad jokes. Some people are never going to like a little bit of sarcasm or a throwback to something that happened in, in 1999. Okay. Like, it, as long as that's just a... a, a a smaller portion than, and it's not the majority. The problem is that smaller portion is so loud about it that they feel like they're so much more. Right. So I don't know. Is is Joe Buck like staying up at night, worried about what some, you know, ass clown somewhere said on, (laughs) on Twitter about him.
0: I mean, I think, I think certain people do because certain people have like that ego and they want, they want to either be always right or they want everyone to like them. But then there's, I think other people that they see it as a nine to five job, they go in, they check in, Mm. they check out, and then they're done. So I I think that's how you kind of can see some people that stay in it for a long time. And some people that can't stay in it for a long time, because like it, it, if you cannot check out, it will wear at you and it will eat at you. And I've seen it in social media on, from the YouTuber side, from vine, from TikTok, I've seen it all over of where people come in and they can't handle the negative comments. It's like, you're getting 150 positive comments and three negative ones. But that one negative comment that says like, Hey, uh, you have a pimple on your cheek. You look ugly. Like that comment just breaks them and they can't, they can't do it. So I think it depends. It depends. Uh, but one thing I, I like that you do is like, you're not afraid to, to call people out that call you out and we don't really ever see that from other people in the disc golf media world. Is that because you're an independent contractor that you don't feel <laughs> like you are kind of like, you know, I have to be PC about everything. Like what, uh, what, what makes you feel like you can kind of just go, go <laughs> off after people?
3: Well, a couple of things though. first of all, I, 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 if you want, if you don't, again, you don't like my hair the way I, I, uh, you know, say bag Okay, that's fine. If you want to challenge me on something that's like, I'm gonna say factual, and it's not just an opinion, but it's it's truly factual about something I said or a reference that I made, and then and then you want to back that up with, oh, this fat ass doesn't even know anything about this golf. Well, he's rated 950. What does he know? <laughs> Again, sorry, that's my internet voice when I want to get cocky with people. Um. I just think like you, you, you don't know what you're talking about, and I don't know everything just because I've been around since '93 and I happen to be 45. I, I'm not saying I know everything. I clearly, I, I take plenty of L's, or I, I admit my mistakes all the time. But just to like blindly attack me because. Uh, They heard something Brody said, and it conflicts with something I said, and then I'm just automatically the wrong idiot here. Like, (laughs) it's just. I love hearing that. I love hearing that. I just like that's so silly that you know that that's this this knee jerk reaction. And anyway, I, there is, I, I, I still hold myself back. Let me put it that way. I trust me. I don't go off on everyone. I don't have the time for it. And I don't have the, 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 the mental capacity to go off on everyone, but I bite back occasionally when it, when I find it truly out, really outlandish, like it's just so far off and just so like distantly removed from any ounce of reality and if it happens to cross me, sometimes I'll bite back. Now, sometimes I'll bite back with a little extra humor. Sometimes it'll be sarcasm. Rarely do I like try to get into the nuts and bolts and the hardcore facts of of like, here's here's where you're wrong, and here's the 19 reasons why. I just like to give a little light jab back, and uh, and if they can't take it, then that's at the, on them. I, it's funny because a lot of times people feel like well, you know, we could just say whatever we want, you know, they do this, they do that. And we could just say whatever we want, you know, they shouldn't be able to, to clap back. And it's like, why, Uh, why do you have that immunity? You know, as some rando, why do you feel like you should get that immunity or, or have that protection? So once in a while, I'll feel like I do it. Now, would I do it differently if I were employed by the network? The short answer is yes, but by how much is the question, right? Like okay. I would still want to have some, but yeah, I do worry. I do worry that, you know, I mean, and, and the network could still call me up tomorrow and be like, Hey, we saw what you posted to some guy on Twitter yesterday. It, it was hilarious that you obliterated him, but we still can't have you <laughs> commentating next year, you know, because for whatever reason, like that could still happen. Right. I mean, just cause I'm not within the, the, you know, the payroll of the network, directly doesn't mean that they couldn't still distance themselves from me. So I have to be cognizant of that as well. And, and I do kind of mind my P's and Q's to some degree, uh, when it comes to disparaging remarks or, or how hard, how hard, I guess I quote unquote, clap back at someone. Yeah. So I, I don't ever,
0: yeah, I, I, re, I respect that a lot. And, you know, coming from someone that isn't, uh, isn't afraid to say what I think and not really hold back, you know, I've had, people come from for, for, to discraft, to tell them that they should stop sponsoring me. Sure. I have people send us stuff at foundation to say mm-hmm. like, I'm never shopping with you guys again. And, uh, I, for me, like I'm, I want the one thing I never want to lose is like my voice and my opinion. I want to be able to always share that. And so uh, I love the relationship I have with Discraft because they have never once told me, "Hey, you can't say this." Hey, mm-hmm. like you're saying bad stuff about our players, you can't do that on your podcast. I say whatever I want to say, and at the end of the day, if Discraft decides like, "Hey, we have to let you go, Brody, because of what you said," I'm going to keep doing my own thing. Like that's going to be unfortunate, but I don't ever want to feel like I can't Say what I want. I feel like right now, a lot of the media that's in disc golf is owned by the disc golf network. And so you have, it, it seems at times where you have people that are watching what they say because of maybe some of the ramifications or whatnot. And so I think the more media that comes out of where people are just able to say what they want, I think that's a good thing for disc golf. And that's one thing I do appreciate with you when you like do come after people like that is like, um, you know, and obviously we all have our biases, right? I mean, you work with them, so you're probably gonna have a little bit more than someone like me that doesn't have a a job with uh, the disc golf network. So I understand that,
1: Brody. Part of that also with Terry and even myself is we've been around for so long that we have like a kind of a deep ingrown into the sport reputation as well. And so, like that, have that we've had for a very long time. Not saying that you haven't been in, but you haven't been in since no, 1993. Mm-hmm. And so, he's. I feel like Terry is known as this guy for a very long time, and I've known Terry more than half my life, and he's never changed one time ever. So he is what you get. You know what I mean? But at the same time. Of course, if you got to know Terry personally or myself personally or Brody personally, all of us have to hold back a little bit, <laughs> you know, from the things that, that are are said to us, of course. Mm-hmm. But also yeah, we're protecting something that's been around very long-term for me. That's, I can say that about myself. No, no it I'm makes protect, sense. I'm not, I don't want to say these things, whatever comes to mind, because I have a long history with a lot of people that I don't want to push buttons with. If that, if that makes sense. It, yeah, it
3: does. And, and I agree with you very much there, Yuli. And I guess it, it's somewhat synonymous with the, the concept in my opinion of yes, there's free speech, but just because you, you can say something doesn't mean you yeah. should. And that's that's kind of the code I live by. And that is very generically applied to all of uh, all of life and government and politics. Like just because you can say it. I mean, you can tell a police officer to F off the second you interact with them. You're protected under free speech doesn't mean it's a good idea. Yeah. right? And just because you can say certain things on certain platforms, I just feel like doesn't mean you should. And then that's a whole nother, again, conversation. But the I have a, I have a hard time with people that want to go to any platform, want to spew the most hateful, vitriol, you know, kind of conversations and words, and then want to, you know, come under free speech. And it's like, yes, we have free speech, but the, every platform doesn't have free speech. And even if there is free speech, that doesn't mean you should use it. Right. Yeah. You you can say, Hey, I love guns and I love to carry guns around, but try saying that while you're boarding a plane, right? Like just mm-hmm. not your smartest move. Yeah. And, and so there's times where I hold back as well because I could say something about it, but I'm like, uh, eh you know, is it, is it going to, is it, is it worth it to make that mention? I may agree with somebody on something, but that doesn't mean I have to go out and necessarily say it as well. And fair or not, you know, it's funny because I've also been challenged throughout the years when a player came to me one year and said, Hey, you said this on coverage while well, you filmed me and, and, you know, something happened and you said something. I'm like, why do you care what I think? He's like, well, you have this obligation because you're in the media. And it it started just kind of asking a lot of questions. Like who, who is my obligation to, Is it to him? Is it, is it to the sponsor? Is it to the course or the TD? Is it to the organization? Is it to the people that wrote the check for me to be there? What if I'm there on my own dime? Like there's a lot of, you know, we're kind of sifting and wading our way through this entire media landscape still, which to be fair, I, I, I kind of was, I was there in the early days. So it's, it's, sometimes difficult to hear some rules or regulations or things that get said when it's like, Hey, I was here from the get go. And that doesn't mean I'm entitled to anything, but I've also watched this landscape shift and move from me going to dozens of tournaments, losing money on them to then eventually turning into a business where TDs are like, Oh, we'd like to pay you to come film tournaments. And you know, and now we're in totally different. And you helped
1: shift it. Honestly, Terry, you helped pave the way for the things that we have, obviously. Yep. I mean, I know I, I even... Oh, here we go. Breaking news.
0: Oh, jeez. Breaking news, breaking news. Uh, it has been confirmed that not only has Alden joined the Dismania Collectors group on Facebook, but also Gannon Burr.
1: Oh, What?
0: Just Damn. now, just now both confirmed in the um, Dismania Collector Group. Unbelievable. Take that for what you want. Maybe uh, they
3: picked up some sweet diss in Spain from <laughs> Seppo or something. And <laughs> oh Seppo's leaving Prodigy. Yes, I going to, <laughs> oh, I I mean, going to uh, Terry, I'm just saying
0: Terry. oh wow
3: they did a a vlog together in spain or something i don't know anyway so yeah well thank you yuli i i i do feel like it's been um you know interviewing our players having these conversations and so that kind of answers your question earlier brody when you're talking about like did i demand to or or request that i was on a mic no i think it again, it was just a product of being in the right place at the right time. And I was the guy that was largely doing that. There's, there's a lot of tournaments where there was no other media crews because they didn't exist. And I'm there and I decide to interview the champion. And that just became a thing that I did. And now mm-hmm. it's obviously part of the, you know, the given protocol every weekend, but that was just me doing it from, for my own sake for five or eight years.
0: So yeah, that just and, kind and of we're... evolved into those things. And where we are right now too, is like, as, as disc golf media continues to grow. And I mean, when you first started, I I can be pretty, pretty, uh, I can be pretty a hundred percent. I feel in saying like you weren't making a lot of money, probably making disc golf videos when you first started. So as, as people are starting to see companies come in and make money, in disc golf media, that means more people are going to be like, Hey, that's something that maybe I can do. And all that's going to do is create competition. And all that's going to do is make it to where people are like, I hate this podcast, but there's this one over here. And I like this one a lot, or I hate this YouTube channel, but I like this one, the more options, the better versus like at a certain point in time, you were like the option, right? Like if you wanted to hear anything, uh, I I remember ultimate Frisbee. There was a guy called match diesel who was just an ultimate Frisbee player as well. And he had a blog and it was really the only person that was ever doing tournament recaps. And so Mm. everyone was reading his blog to see what he had to say about players and stuff. And it was like, if you got your name in there, it was awesome. Or if they said something bad about you, you got pissed off. And it's like, that was the only thing ultimate Frisbee had college ultimate Frisbee, especially, especially had. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be one of those things of where it's just going to keep evolving, but all right, we have a few more questions before we let you yep. know. These are from some of the listeners. These are from uh, pulled from discord, pulled from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and also from um, Reddit as well. So mm. we'll try oh, to fly. Oh boy. Well, tr- yeah, we'll try to fly through some of these uh, real quick and see what your thoughts are. So the first one's from Jayhawk. He says, "We know, uh, I know he has to have an extensive collection of discs. Where slash when can we see it? Do you have any, any plans on filming a video of your disc collection? Uh,
3: I think what would be an incredible series, I think, would be grabbing a bin of discs, Setting them in front of me and then just going through those 30 discs, 30 to 37 discs, whatever it is, going through them. If there's a story or or some how it's relative or significant, going through that and then going through another bin and that's episode one. And I could do that for a few years. Like it would be, um, and, and again, some bins are going to be cooler than others. You know, if I have a bin of 30 of a 40 or I'm sorry, of, of 30 captain Raptors, like it'll be like, Oh, Hey, these came out. These are for Yuli, first year was blah, blah, blah. And here's, you know, 32 of them. And so that bins pretty quick and easy, but the next bin might have span, you know, an entire year with two or three different. Uh, companies, and then I could say, Hey, I got this one at the Worlds. Oh, this one was signed by Yuli when he was leading Worlds. When then, here's the one when, you know, uh, Eric
1: McCabe won Worlds. McCabe went on to win Worlds. Here's that
3: <laughs> like, you know, here's the player pack disc I got for winning or for being in that Worlds. So, anyway. I I could do that. That's kind of the plan. I think that could be a a pretty fun series, honestly, because at
1: least uh, one Ben,
3: the Captain Raptor Ben, (laughs) I'll watch that. (laughs) Well, that's going to be the fire sale.
0: So, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, all right, this one's in from session. He says, I do not know much about Terry besides his reporting, but did he play disc golf competitively competitively? And what was your highest reported rating? reported uh
3: i played i started playing in 92 93 i attended my first worlds i got my number when i was in high school uh i'm pdj number one zero seven three eight uh so no cares uh th- that's a significant time stamp
0: <laughs> so i which... always i always like saying that with the pdj number because everyone loves saying it yeah i've always i've always wanted to say that no, Sorry. i remember you're taking it away I, I know I could get away
3: with you. <laughs> I remember your, t- I think it was your take and a lot of others that are like, no one cares. And it's like, then you're just not smart because
0: well like, no one cares when you use that. Sorry. The way you're using it is fine. No one cares when you use your PDGA number as like, you know, more than someone else. Correct. And you use it as like a, like a, Ooh, look at me. Like no, no one cares what your PDGA number is when it comes to like a debate or something. Correct. But it's largely, largely
3: a timestamp. It's largely correct. a timestamp yeah. for me. And it th- that yeah. should tell well, you.
0: Let, thank you for letting me finally say that. Cause I know <laughs> you're the only one I probably can get away with saying it and not take like you not taking offense to it. But
3: uh, I, I mean, it, <laughs> that was also at a time when to go from 10,000 10, to 20,000 took years. We're yeah. doing that in a few a few months or a few weeks, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're getting 10,000 people in a few weeks. That used to take a year to do and so maybe out there it was a, it was a very different it was a Where very did different you time get frame your, what what year did you get your PDGA number like 95 i want to say because i played in the 96 a.m worlds in in uh in augusta georgia in 96 so and i had to have 10, a member 10,000 yeah
1: so mine's 27171 and i got mine in 2005 and
3: that's, yeah that's cute
1: nobody cares (laughs) (laughs) anyway um so i uh, it's a timestamp never mind (laughs) (laughs) with a
3: bunch of trolls out here
1: man (laughs) Uh,
3: i got to ultimately i got uh, eventually i worked up in the 980s and 990s i hung out in the 990s for a rating for quite some time that's cute i was in the 9 (laughs) the 980 to 990 ish frame for I don't. I don't know if it was ten years. I'd have to look it up. It was for a long time, and um, I, I'll I'll hang my hat on this. Eric McCabe, and it said in a podcast a few years ago, he goes with he called it with ratings inflation. He thinks by nine ninety five in two thousand seven would probably be closer to like a ten fifteen in today's world. I don't know if there's any truth to that. He's he's a world champ with one opinion, uh, but yes, my my peak rating was. Nine ninety-five in two thousand seven, which is the same year I ran Am Worlds, and then the next day went to Pro Worlds and finished in the cash at Pro Worlds. So I, yeah. I, I was doing
0: more than just playing disc golf. Nice. All right, Adam Wright. I've heard that all tour stops currently on tour will be gone within three to five years, and that all tour stops will be at properties dedicated to disc golf mostly private properties or disc golf specific properties. Is this actually something that is a reality within five years? Uh, I have he, no idea what Adam I mean, he is said. He's heard run. it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he said he's heard that <laughs> I, I'm glad Adam knows you more heard than all
3: of us. <laughs> um, is it, is it a plausible idea that we're all, we're all on private property? A hundred percent. I mean, we've all seen this that's why we're not at the memorial. And we're not at a number of other properties because we don't have the exclusive access and use of that land. And so that's why Maple Hill and smugglers notch and so on and so forth. Uh, and these properties or properties that treat us like we have exclusive use Jonesboro is a great example, right? That's technically public land, but we're, we really take it over for the week. Um, is that a goal? Uh, yeah, I would say that's a goal. Is it going to happen in three to five years? I mean, anything could happen. Um, I I don't, if that's in the business plan or the business model, then I haven't heard it uh, explicitly said, but it's also not crazy. It could happen.
0: Lynn font. Swab. Does Terry think it's possible for disc golf media to maintain its sense of community? Um, as it grows, or will we see it devolve into an endless stream of hot takes and clip clip bait, just mm. like every other popular sport in order to meet the demand of the twenty four seven news cycle? This is a good question.
3: It is. and and I, I I hope there's people that will back me up. like i am I am so not clickbait. Like if <laughs> I I hate that's it. Good, like this is a good quote. I am so not clickbait. Like I I hate it. I do. And 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 sometimes, and this this creates a little certainly a bias and a little frustration to to sometimes hear talking heads and people spew on about shit they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> because they watch something on the disc golf network for, for a few hours, but now they know everything there is about disc golf. And I was like, they're nine feet from what transpired, but they, they know the take, like, it just kind of frustrates me. And maybe that's a little e- ego driven, but so do, do I think it's going to evolve into a, just a cesspool of clickbait and stupidity? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we're headed there. Uh, there's,
0: it just, I there's, think there's, there, yeah. well, there's no way of getting away from that, right? That stuff will always exist. I think the only thing is the people that do know what they're talking about, those are the people that have to continue to make content and do it in a professional way or do it in a way to where people can consume it. Because, you know, I don't know that much about the NFL, but I certainly know that I'm not going to skip Bayless to get my information about the NFL on who's good and who's not, right? I, I think, I think we, that that's what I'll say is there's all that niche, that kind of area of content, there will always be people that go towards that stuff, but I don't think that necessarily is a bad thing because there will always be good content out there. If people like yourself or Brian Earhart or uh, Andrew Fish has a podcast that are saying stuff that you know, people can go and listen to and be like, all right, I, I, I agree with what this person is saying, or I don't d- agree with what they're saying, but I, I, I don't see it happening that much in disc golf just because there isn't that much to gain from it. So I think the clickbaiters are probably going to try to go somewhere else, but who knows?
3: Yeah. I, I mean, I guess we'll see. I just, again, it's for me, it's always been frustrating because I've been to, I continue to go to more events than, almost anyone else that's, you know, not throwing a Frisbee. And, and so when I hear and see reports or takes that I just know are dead wrong and then I see them perpetuated and then I, of course you see like everything else, how it catches fire uh, on social media. And it's just, I don't know, it, it, maybe I'm old school. Maybe I'm just becoming an old curmudgeon. I don't know, but it, it gets, it's easy to roll your eyes and just be like, really? So yeah, I, yeah. unfortunately I think it's going to continue though, because um, because there's access to content and then everyone's going to have their take. And I'm not saying you can't have an opinion and I'm not saying your opinion, uh, you know, you can't necessarily share it, but there's some people that I feel like are emphatically spewing their angle and hot take and their opinion and they're just dead wrong. And it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> cool. You keep doing
0: you worry about that's why you got to come on debate night next year. Um, okay. all right. The last, the last question is from Isaac. However, Isaac, I unfortunate Terry will not be able to answer this because this will be answered on either a practice round with me and Ezra or on Jomez mm. practice round. The question is what's in your bag right now. So if you want to know what Terry's throwing, you're going <laughs> to have to wait until next year's practice <laughs> rounds. Sorry about that. Um, all right. Before we let you go, though, the hint, let ask, me give you the hint, though. The hint is. Uh, lots of old school
3: plastic. Cause I don't have the time or the care to learn much new stuff unless it's like literally just handed to me while I'm out on a like course,
0: a, unless it's a brand new, like Gannon Burr uh, uh, dysmania I, I, disc, you know?
3: Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, but I, I have a, I have some plastic that's older than you know a bunch of your viewers uh, probably. So I'll, oh, I'll say higher. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Were you to say we <laughs> have <laughs> young viewers. Come on, man. Yeah, no, I'm some, not saying you guys some... <laughs> are into young men. I'm just saying that uh, I've got a lot of old school plastic Um, because I quite frankly just to go out and get the latest and greatest and uh, to change something up for the the ten rounds a year I play now. It's just not really worth it for me to yeah. keep on top of it. That that's that's my hint.
0: All right. So this is something that we normally ask all of our guests and majority of the time, our guests are professional disc golfers. So it's always cool when we have someone that might, might have a little bit of a different angle than them. So I'm Terry. a professional disc golfer, but go on. Correct. <laughs> were maybe you should throw were in front of that but um, i've cashed this year
3: in professional divisions i
0: I don't count that i don't count that i'm sorry we can we can debate this next year on debate night i do not i do not count that i I know Um, i I, i'm kidding um, go on but, uh, what are your pet peeves? What are, what are some <laughs> things, what are, what are some things How many that, uh, we have? well, you, maybe, maybe one minute. Cause okay. then Yuli's got a question no. and, and Yuli's okay. got, Yuli's got family over there. So we, we do have to try to wrap up, but, uh, uh yeah, right, this, this well. is the longest podcast though. So uh, I mean, okay. yeah,
3: yeah, of course. Well, hello to, to Pat and everybody else that's over at Yuli's place. <laughs> um, Uh, honestly, and I, and I know, so there's, there's a, uh, there's a little bit of serious tone in this when I, when I do say these on the air, my pet peeve is, is people exceeding 30 seconds, uh, religiously and, and frequently, I understand there's going to be occasionally a a bad lie. There's going to be an awkward stance once in a blue moon. And really quite honestly, no one's going to complain at you if, if you were to exceed 30 seconds once. But the, and, and let me clarify, if you take 29.999999 seconds on every single one of your 72 throws during a round, I also won't say a word. It's when you habitually exceed 30 seconds is when I lose my shit, just yep. throw, throw within the allotted time frame. I don't want to hear about the the rules that you think should be changed. I just want you to throw within the rules that are currently in place. And so that I'm not picking on just Gannon or just Nico or just any of the other slower players that, and there's a lot of them now. There's a lot. There's a lot of them. Those are your two, like kind of like poster children right now, but there's a lot of them. And and I filmed one of them this weekend, and he knows it Jacob Curtis we
0: we talk about it, yeah Jacob so, Curtis really bad too. he knows y- exactly too.
3: and he knows it and we we had a frank conversation you'll you'll see that um later on in the in the week. but I had one of my
0: buddies that was out there text me like, hey how do you how the heck do you play with these guys on tour?" And I'm like, it's awful it's and you know what's even worse? being a fan and trying to watch disc golf with people like this, it makes it even worse for the fans. Like as a product, it's awful. So So that
3: that's probably, and and this is true because partially because I've always been a fast player and uh, it's just kind of the way that I've always played again. I'm good. If you take every ounce of that 30 seconds, as long as you're under it and when you're habitually over it, that is just a major pet peeve. And that's whether I'm in the booth or I'm playing alongside you or I'm filming mm-hmm. you or editing you in every one of those situations. That's a major pet peeve of mine. Um, this, this one is a, here's a not so hot take kind of, I, I hate when players go to the front of the tee and they kick up dirt or something that's in the front of the tee, and they're trying to either get a wind read and, or kick up the dirt so they can rub their hand in it. Why are you wrecking the spot in the front of the tee where we already have erosion problems and Ooh. you think well, who cares about that? Well, first of all, Ooh. it's against the rules because it's technically in front of you. I and second I do of all, that. Yeah, I didn't stop know that. that. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, well, I didn't even think I mean, about it. Because when I go to the next parks department and I say, "Hey, I'd love to," you know, put a course in, and they're like, "Oh yeah," and you want to put in these cement things, and then you're going to have a whole bunch of erosion problems around it. It's like no, because Brody's sitting out there kicking
0: <laughs> dirt <laughs> at the front of the tee, and
3: and Blinking you think, well, "Okay, you do it. Who cares?" Fingers. The problem is, you're to be influencing. Fair,
0: I was agra- I was a grass guy for a while. And then I saw someone do the kick dirt and I was like, it's worse. That's nice. Yeah. It's I know worse. It, looks Thanks. Cool. it looks cool. It <laughs> looks cool. Yeah.
3: And then when you do that and then you influence <laughs> a few thousand other people to do it. Next thing you know, we got all these freaking
0: dirt patches that are I definitely kick dirt. Yeah. Quit doing that. <laughs> so and Terry, Terry's an anti-grass guy. Let's I, kill more grass folks. <laughs> Everyone listening. Pull the grass out. Toss it uh, up you, okay. Air. What about the again, poof? That's, What about the poofer? Do you like the poofer? Do you like the poofer? Do you like
3: it? It's clever. If you're talking about what Gannon's doing, it's yeah, clever. Poof. I've seen, right? oh, now I'm
1: watching all these kids poof around with their Ga- poof. Uh,
0: Gavin does it too. He's, he's a poofer.
1: Yeah.
3: So I'm, I'm okay. And again, I have that different perspective because I've, I've helped install somewhere between 30 and 40 courses. So I'm yeah. talking to parks departments and erosion control is a conversation. Yep. And now you got people out here kicking up, you know. So it sounds dumb when you just say it, but then when you think about it, like a little bit, it's like Still I didn't dumb. think about that. No, yeah, don't kidding. do that.
1: Yeah, don't do that. And it's against the All rules right. if you All think. Right. About... I'll think about that. I'll think about yeah. that next time I yeah, kick. I I'm going to be like, no, dang it! Why am I kicking this? And then it's going to be in my head, and I'm going to shake it. This is
3: terrible.
0: Yeah. So you're welcome. <laughs> All right, Yuli, hit him with the last question. This is going to be good because
1: 1995 was your highest rating. No, 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 2007. 2007. I was, All I was right, rated we're going go to do a trip down memory lane. 2007. Who did you, of the players that you were playing with and battling with could be in Wisconsin, could be anywhere. Who did you look at their game and you were like, "Man, that's nice. I wish I could do that."
3: Well, I mean, I played like my fourth round of worlds that year with like Climo and, uh, Christian Sandstrom. I mean, if that means anything two of the, the, two no, of the I greatest. mean, like
1: it could be a putting stroke or it could be like the way they threw rocks back in the day or, or crazy distance. Like, sure. Was, was there somebody in particular that you were like a little jealous of?
3: Uh, I mean, plenty of players. Cause especially cause I didn't throw far myself. Um, you know, Philo was just coming to the scene funny enough. I'm thinking about world specifically, um, but like Anthon was just an insane putter at the yeah. time. He still is, as we talked about. Uh, Doss went on to win that worlds and clearly had that crazy kind of Anheuser putt, like an Anthon, like a Rico. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so those are a couple of the guys. Kenny had already secured what is his 12th world title by then. And then Barry Schultz in Wisconsin, who I grew up with, was, oh man, it's just the smoothest. He's arguably the smoothest thrower that you've seen, you know, in a generation ever. Yeah. He's the smoothest player. I think ever. just smooth, right? Um, Kale had started coming over to Wisconsin and, and was playing uh, once in a while. I think with us by that time, uh, Felberg was kind of on top of the world as well. He was one of the contenders, Avery Jenkins, who didn't love Avery's power, yeah, you know, at that time. You know, that was two years short of him going toe to toe with with uh Anthon in the worlds and Anthon's uh putting, like I said, was and insane. Matty
1: O too that year.
3: Uh, Matty O was always in the top five or ten at almost every worlds. And then look at look at uh you know uh, uh Marcus uh mm-hmm. who finished what second or third second. at that worlds? Second, yeah. Um, you I know heard of that name. and he was throwing piranhas. And he was mm-hmm. throwing, you know, birdies or piranhas or whatever, throwing lasers 400 feet with those things or 450 feet. And you're like, dude, I can't th- get that thing to go 200 feet on the be- you know, on a beach A piranha. So, or whatever. He <laughs> That's a name. It was a piranha. Yeah. Was it a piranha? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who, but who that, made but that? Innova. But then look at like, uh, you know, Dr. Rick was still like relevant and Mm -hmm. and couldn't throw 350 feet or maxed out at (laughs) 350, but made every putt inside 50 feet. Yeah. Right. So like. I don't know. There, there actually was actually a doctor or is that his nickname? No, Dr. Rick. Yeah. He's a doctor, a pediatrician, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh hall of famer. Yeah. Um Well, I didn't you know, know it those... was like a Dr. J situation. I don't no, think Dr. No. J it... was a doctor. <laughs> no, doc, Dr. Rick is very much a doctor of, of 30 or 40 years. I There, there were, there were just so many. And you know, uh McCabe hadn't quite won yet. uh His worlds. Cause I was seven, but uh, certainly McCabe was, was someone to look after. Macbeth was still, Still not really anyone yet. Um, you know, he, he lost am worlds a few days earlier in a playoff at a hole. That's just a, I don't know, a few miles from my house, but he lost in a three-way playoff at am worlds uh, to a local Schwartz. Greg Schwartz to a local. And Greg kind of has not gone on to have quite the career. <laughs> I was going to say, is, is
0: Greg making a million dollars now or uh, no,
3: what? No, no, no? Unless, okay. unless he right. bought out the architecture firm he works for. Um, I don't think he's making a million <laughs> um super good guy, but you know that that was that was definitely the could have been the man beat. what could have been so and there's still jokes to this day, I think occasionally between the two of them, um but yeah, Macbeth lost in a playoff in a three way playoff uh him and Brian Miller and Greg Schwartz at the uh, Am worlds I was TDing, and that's when I met Paige Pierce and yeah, anyway, that's a whole nother story, but the that was just another hat that I wore was <laughs> tournament director that's crazy. Um, so there's, yeah, there's incredible players, uh, you know, all of of which I just mentioned. Um, you, you, those are the who's who of like that era. When you look at obviously a world championships and, uh, and Nico was very much in the scene or coming onto the scene. And, um, yeah, I'm trying to think who I played against at, at that world's uh, but that was one of the best weeks of my life. Uh, you know, coming off the week of running M worlds, then glow going win. right into pro Big world. Glow win. next, yeah, the next year, take that down. I, I tell you, I've ya. never played glow disc golf oh, my, oh my god and they give you a podcast they give you you have a disc golf podcast no you yeah, podcast. I, yeah. Award-winning. First all, no one gave it to me
0: i started it and yes we're award-winning in the first year oh my god we're not even 50 episodes in and we've already uh, won an award heck yeah uh, the
3: the, the, um. the highest of all honors in, <laughs> yeah. in the, you call them the tough. grippies is that what they're called yeah.
0: It, that's what they're called yeah that, that's, that uh, is that, adorable okay that yeah is, that is it so something <laughs> to strive for next year Yeah, uh, may, yes. maybe maybe coming on tour life you you can learn a thing or two <laughs> yeah. take it back to smashbox and see if you can pull one off next year the, the only thing my resume is missing is is a, <laughs> a grippy, is a
3: grippy. Uh, or, or whatever those are called yeah it's a grippy yeah, yeah. it sounds like yeah. it sounds like that could be like Somehow associated with some other illegal activity. Like, oh, yeah, I got a grippy last night. Like, I don't.
0: Uh, I, no, 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 never crossed cool, mind. Yeah, really I think cool. it's sick. We get a trophy. I can't wait to <laughs> rate the trophy. Right here. Yeah. It's going to be, be sick. Sick.
1: somewhere right here. I going to
0: put a new shelf, I think. I'll pop it yeah up. i'm gonna t- i'm gonna take down my uh i'm gonna take down my million subscriber youtube plaque oh, and put my, no, put my now, we're, now put, we're just flexing put my, <laughs> put my wow. grippy up there next yes. to my seven world records <laughs> yeah. um all right well terry we appreciate you taking the time um if you didn't know and you wanted to catch more of terry tuesday nights 9 p.m central
3: yeah yeah
0: 9 p.m smashbox smashbox tv check them out um, if you, if you want to, uh, see what the rival to the longest podcast is up for disc golf, and then obviously you'll catch Terry all next year on the disc golf network as well. Um, you got, yeah, you, you got something to go for it. Yeah. And I'm just going to get a couple more quick plugs in there. Yeah, yes, yeah, go. Those, plug those, it, plug those, away. Those, are,
3: those are right. You'll see me there, hopefully. I mean, I guess my contract's up, so we'll see if the network brings oh, me back oh, next year. Breaking news, know. breaking oh, news. Hopefully tonight didn't uh, in, influence <laughs> that in any negative capacity. Uh, just a couple other quick things. Yes, of course, this is kind of my quote-unquote slower season, so you're going to see my channel pick back up with trying to do more post-production. I did film Las Vegas this last weekend. I'm going to Arizona a couple times. I'm going to be in Thailand and malaysia so you know people i'll be in florida so all that coverage is going to be unfolding in the next few months so a lot of people have kind of hopefully expected that you see some of the off season content that I go and do those things for and what YouTube disc- channel is that that's on the disc golf guy. That's my personal channel, so to speak, the disc golf guy. And then on top of that, the disc golf guy is committed to doing more of my own podcast next year in addition to Smashbox. So we're going to continue nice. to have the, the kind of crazy fun, three and four hour ones. I'm going to scale it back and do just exclusively interviews uh, so that we keep them in a much tighter time frame, not trying to get any one of those grippy awards uh, in that capacity. I want to uh, come out with more podcasts that are just straight up interviews, me and one other person. So look for that. And then last but not least, big news announcing next Tuesday. Uh, that's about all I can say on it. It's definitely more on a personal level, uh, but relates to disc golf. I'm going to have a big, uh, big thing drop next Tuesday. Can disc we get golf, a hint? Channel. Can
0: we get, can we get one
3: hint? Like a little hint, come on for the people. I mean I told Yuli yesterday that it, it's it's more exciting for me than than for the rest of the world but it it will still benefit the entire disc golf community. Um You won the lottery. No. Oh okay. Um uh, it it has something to do with uh with international disc golf. I'll say that. Oh, that's what I that's where that's what I'll say. And ooh, that's uh, our overall teaser. international disc golf scene uh, has something to do with that. So um, okay, that will be scary. next next week, Tuesday. So Smash that'll Box. be Tuesday. And then Tuesday night, Tuesday night will be Smashbox. We can talk about it more. And then you guys can talk about it or not come Wednesday. So uh, I appreciate you guys for, for having me. Uh, seriously, yeah. I know, you know, a lot a of people think we have like this animosity among all of us, like media folk, and it's just not there. Um, no, there's certain people I don't like. There's definitely certain well, people I don't like. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot of you know, there's people that don't like you. So, okay. No, I guess that checks out, but I don't have any animosity. Um, I may throw out like jokes and jabs and such, but, uh, I'm personally, uh, I'm, I'm pretty good with most people. So, um, I, I appreciate it. And, and I want to see a lot of our media grow and thrive and succeed and that's the shows that's the channels that's the networks that's the independent pieces like there's yeah we can consume it all and like you said earlier brody people can pick and choose what they like and and if you don't like it you can either shut the f up or or provide (laughs) some constructive criticism and that's how we'll all get better Yep. those, those yeah, would be the way exactly. I
0: look at it. So, well, I know, uh, myself and Yuli, including with everyone listening as well, we do really appreciate all the yes. work you have done from years and ago. years ago to, to what you do day to day now to continue to help disc golf be where it is and continue to grow. So we appreciate, appreciate that, that. And we appreciate your time tonight.
3: Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much again. Thanks for having me. And uh, if you guys ever need like the right take on anything
0: else, just call me <laughs> up. I'll be I'll, I'll be happy to jump on with you. <laughs> day. All night, right, guys. appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, you as well. See ya. See All right, Terry Miller, the disc golf guy. There he is. We finally got him on the show. It was only a matter of time. That was fun, man. That was that was some good times. He's the best. There. He's a goat, dude. He's yeah. been
1: around for so long doing this thing, and and now you can hear like from the ground. You know what I mean, like from the very mm-hmm. first, like he was the guy doing it he was yep. he's a guy still in it,
0: all right, I know you need to go, so I do want to get through at least this one thing before I let you go, and I'll finish out the show myself um so this again, like I said, I've got eyes and ears everywhere, baby, yeah, I got eyes and ears everywhere P, you know little little people, little birdies bringing me little stuff chirping. this yeah. was uh. This was a sound. This is gonna be a sound bite or a clip from the all two world podcast. Um, and this was sent in by one of actually our tour life crew members okay. sent in th- this said, Hey, we got to hear what Yuli has to say about this. So there's a little snippet from the upshot, which is um, with Charlie Eisenhood. So, uh, so let's go ahead and play that.
2: Paul Yulabari was on the, his podcast with Brody, the tour life podcast. Okay. This past week, sometime I saw a clip on social media complaining about how worlds is overvalued, basically that like, <laughs> why does one tournament determine our entire season? And like, this is too much emphasis on one event. And you know, why is it this like we should value? Look, that sounds a lot like cope from somebody who's <laughs> never won a Worlds. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, at, at the end of the day. I do not believe that the person who wins Worlds is the best player of the season. That's not how I, that's not the metric in my mind. However, if it was, this wouldn't be a discussion. However, it is still the most important tournament of the season, and we all know that. Yeah. (laughs) I know it. The fans know it. Everyone listening to this podcast knows it, and Yuli knows it. And you can complain about it if you want to, but like everybody knows that the stakes are higher because this is the most prestigious tournament that we play. It gets a fifth round because of that, because we want to crown the best. Yep. And you know, it used to be a little too too crazy with nine rounds and like (laughs) double shotgun starts in a day. And like, it was like too much, but I, I think we still retain this level of respect for the tournament itself. Now, do I believe that whoever wins is the you know world champion like somebody who wins the NBA Finals is the world champion of basketball or the World Series of baseball? <laughs> uh, by the way, the Phillies. careful I mean, like uh, you didn't you didn't we got I don't believe baseball. that like that's the World Series and that's it, right? <laughs> like it's one tournament. it's sort of a right. it's sort of a silly name for a tournament that <laughs> has never taken place outside of North America to call it the world championships. <laughs> but whatever that doesn't matter that much it is the most important tournament in disc
0: okay okay and we should give it the respect
2: that it deserves
0: Uh, yuli what this guy just he just
1: went in circles
0: (laughs) what is he talking about okay so what yeah what's what's your uh you don't you don't get to have this right you you this feels incredible when someone comes after you man I, i i freaking love it so I'm going to let you have the floor. What, what do you have to say? Well, about? That? I think it's hilarious because first of all,
1: the one person who does know how important the world championships is, is me. I haven't won it, but I hold it in the highest regard. Just like every single player does in the entire planet. Is that correct though? Is that correct? No, we play golf. We structured our entire sport around golf, which is paved the way through with four majors and then elite series, just like we have. We're going that route. Mm -hmm. Having one tournament that is by far and away the number one, the end all, be all tournaments of all time ever. It's to the point of this. This is, and I'll, and, Hopefully, Charlie's listening to this, so he can he can really get in on the take. This is well, we
0: we'll, we'll have to make it a clip because he doesn't he, um, this, he here's he only, here's he, the he facts. The
1: here's the facts. Okay, when I first started, the only way you could possibly make money is by winning that tournament. That has changed now. And it hasn't changed because more people have won the world championships. It's changed because more people can get their name on a disc and then sell that disc more than anybody else. Who's won the world championship. There are players that can do that. Not necessarily like the Paul Macbeth or maybe a couple other people, but I guarantee I'll throw Eric McCabe out. For example, Brody Smith can sell more discs than Eric McCabe who has won the world championship. It was the only way to get your name on a disc. It still is right now. It still is to get into like uh let's say like a Walmart or blah 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 blah, blah these with different places. How is that a thing? You get one chance, one chance a year. Let's say you have a brilliant career and you play 15 years at the top level and just so happen that you don't get your one spot at the world championships. Is that fair? Is that a fair thing? I don't think so. Let's say you don't win Worlds and you win 15 U.S. titles, though, in that time. That person is not going to make as much money, especially back in the day, as the person who wins all the World Championships. Is that fair? Another thing is the way that he he goes around it and then says, like,
0: The name's stupid. The name's
1: stupid. (laughs) Oh, well, they used to play nine rounds and blah, blah, blah. But none of that matters. You already said it was the most important tournament. I agree. I 100% agree with that. It is the most important tournament. If I had to choose a tournament to win, I would choose the world championship. Do I think that they should should all be equal? Yes. That's just logic on on my part of being around and competing at a high level for almost 15 years.
0: I might sound silly. What what's the cope thing? Is that like some lingo that I don't understand? Because I thought like cope. Is, I use coping as in like a coping say, mechanism. What yeah, is
1: he's co- he's saying I'm saying this because I've never won a world championship, so I'm trying to drag the world championships down.
0: Is that what how kids are? are not, is that what people this? are saying now? Cope. I've never heard. I don't cope know. Before. But how about
1: this? Oh, how okay. about instead of thinking that I'm trying to drag it down, how about I'm bringing the rest of the majors up? Hmm. How about that? How about we look at it like that instead of trying to like
0: downgrade the the only thing that would make sense to me and you know a sport that like jumps out at me is like gymnastics, right? You could be the nastiest gymnast for 2 to 3 years and then, you know, something happens to where you just lose it and you don't qualify for the the Olympics. No one's going to outs like the general public's not going to know who you are, but everyone getting into gymnastics understands like that's what we're dealing with, right? Like the Olympics is above and by far the biggest event for gymnastics. That's where it gets put on a global scale. Now, sure. Do they have world championships every year? Do they have other events every year? Yes, but those don't get the light that the Olympics does. If disc golf went to a format of where, every tournament you got points and those points qualified you to get into the world championship, then I think I'd be completely fine with it because at that point, like every other tournament is just a qualifier to get into the world championship. And that should be the bread and butter. And everyone knows that the problem is, is like they're like really, if we're really talking about like USDC if you, if you brought an alien on and you told him like all the different things and you left out the name of what the tournament was called and you showed them all the different stuff with USDC and with your world championship, but you left out the names, the alien is going to say the USDC champion should be the one that's more coveted. How about this? How about this that's, idea? I mean, that's, that's true. It's, it's harder to qualify for the USDC yeah. championship. How it's hard to get thing? into the How tournament. How
1: about we call the pro tour, point series the world champion if you win that you're the world champion it's done throughout the whole entire world if you win the points you're the world champion we don't have to get rid of the name and then we just have four majors but you're the world champion you've beat everybody the most consistent amount of times through the whole entire season I don't know
0: I want more people to come after you I like that that was fun sitting back and listening to that (laughs) I do too that's kind (laughs) of cool
1: but honestly
0: if you got Back to my main
1: point, and I'll I'll reiterate this. If you got rid of the world championship completely, there's no worlds, mm-hmm. and you just replaced it with another major. Now you have four tournaments that somebody can wrap their career around and go after those. How does that not make sense?
0: No, it does. I mean, that that makes that's what tennis does. That's what golf exactly, does. Exactly.
1: That's all I'm saying.
0: Those oh. are the two sports that we kind of should be modeling our. You know, season schedule after,
1: and and just to make Isaac happy, we'll make the point series the world championships so that we can still have that, and I can, I can find other ways to
0: cope. There you go. Wait, who? who, Did you say? Did you call him Isaac? What is his name? Isaac Charlie. (laughs) Charlie. (laughs) My bad. Okay. (laughs) Um, How much time do you have left? Because I got a few other things. Oh no, I'm riled up, dude. I'm ready. Oh, you want? Okay, (laughs) you want to go? Okay. Well, I mean, we're going a little somber here real quick, but then we'll bring it back up. So uh, give me some more R- Isaac stuff. R- Charlie, R- Charlie R- stuff. RIP R- R- to Matthew Perry. Um, uh, Did not know he was a disc golfer, but this was from, this is a picture and actually your caddy, Brad dark horse. Brad's in this picture. He's mm-hmm. on the far left. It, it's Brad. Ken Climo, Matthew Perry. And then, do you know the, do you know the guy in the orange hat? I can't. Isn't that I don't Dave know. Feldberg? Uh, I'm not sure, but this is from Dave Bellberg. I think this is from uh, a message board. Um, Hold on one second. Bless you. I'm still, I'm still getting over the sickness, but this is from a a PDGA discussion board back in 1999 is when this photo was posted. And uh, Matthew Perry, his PDGA number was eight, nine, zero two. And it was under an alias of Phil Shubano And people did some digging. Uh, Phil Shibano was registered, his membership in Beverly Hills, California. And Matthew Perry was the president of Phil Shibano Incorporated. So even though you can't really like link his name directly to his PDJ number, like that was his alias, I guess he was using. Um, And he was a member, I believe for like two years, like 1999 to 2001 or 2002. Um, So... RIP to him. He passed away. It sounded like I had no idea. I'm kind of out of the loop on a lot of stuff. So I had no idea he was dealing with addiction uh, to drinking. Uh, it sounded like that was like a real issue with him. And he, it seemed also, you know, I, I, I did a little bit of research and it seemed like he really wanted to not be known as... Oh, that's Chandler from friends. It seemed like he wanted to be known more for the work that he was doing. Cause I think a lot of times when you have a problem, it's easier for you to help other people that have that same problem. And it seemed like he was doing a lot of good work and doing a lot of charitable work for people that struggle with addiction. So um, it's sad thing to see when like someone it's so easy to like sit back and us, you know, see someone like that and think, Oh my gosh, that guy probably has the greatest life in the world. And a lot of times we just don't really know some of the struggles that are going on behind the scenes. So it was, it was a sad, sad piece of news. Um, And I, I didn't even know he was a disc golfer. So um, yeah, just a sad story all around, but you know, thought, thought it was worth mentioning. So um, we're going to switch completely to a different side and we're going to go to the disc golf costume. Now there was a lot. We can pull up the ones from the Instagram first that the disc golf pro tour did Silas. If you can pull up their, uh, their posts first, um, they have, uh, so we saw that's Nate Sexton. He's as, is he a lumberjack there with a Yeti behind him? Do you know what he is there? Looks like
2: uh Looks like, like one of those
0: elves, or like an elf, and like one of the elves that you put in the front of your yard. What is that? I don't know. Okay, we're just gonna say he's a lumberjack. No idea. <laughs> he's um, a champion, though. Big yeah, time trophy. He he dressed up. Then we have um go. Alright, go to the next one. We have cat merch. I think that's kiss. Mm-hmm. Okay, kiss. All right, cat merch is kiss. Then we have skeletons with Gavin and his lady. Okay. Solid. Uh, no idea what that is. Is that, is that from, is that that baseball movie?
1: Yes. The I, I make sense. Maybe, movie?
0: maybe. Yep. With Tom Hanks. Yes. There's no crying at baseball. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I have no idea. Then we have Chandler as the uh, dinosaur. So that there there were some people that dressed up, but the the disc golf costume, Halloween costume of the year goes to I don't actually even know these guys' names, but shout out to these two guys. Uh father and son. You got Nico and you got a PDJ Marshall. Oh man that, that that's that is the costume of the year, uh, with this stopwatch right there. A League of Their Own. That was the movie. A League of Their Own. So uh, shout out to everyone that dressed out dressed um, as Halloween. I saw someone do a get spooky like uh, dark horse jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was kind of cool. Someone said it, they thought it was maybe AI or Photoshop, which was sad. Hopefully it wasn't, but um, yeah. Shout out to everyone that went out and dressed up as some sort of disc golfer or something for, for Halloween. All right, let's get, let's get to this ratings rant. Cause I know you want to, you want to talk a little bit about this. So I threw a tweet up, this was after my round at Ivy Hills. I played very poorly and was shocked to see what my round rating was because I have a pretty good idea after playing as many rounds as I have. I have a pretty good idea of like where my skill level was for that day. As far as like, if I was, if that was yeah. an F and a or whatever. And so I posted And I I, I do want to correct myself because I think what I posted was probably incorrect. What I said was for those wondering off tour ratings are inflated around 30 points. Now I should have said three strokes because I understand now that 30 points does not equate to actually three strokes. Most of the time between strokes is like seven or eight points. So I should have said more like off ratings are inflated around 21 points is probably what I should have said. Uh and the reason again for this is a hundred percent off of what my rating was. My rating was way higher than it should have been for how I played now, a lot of pushback from some people, and again, like obviously people that are let's say nine eighty rated they're now looking at that being like, "Wait, are you saying that I'm really nine fifty rated? Screw you, Brody." I get that. That's not really what I was trying to say. And so we're going to try to go into it a little bit. But these are two other professionals, one of which is a world champion and a double major, is Isaac Robinson. He he responded on Facebook to my post saying it's easier to shoot 1060 playing a local course than it is to shoot 1060 on tour. And then Andrew Presnell followed that up saying, I have 34 career rounds, 1060 or higher. Only 10 have been on the disc golf pro tour. So he has 10 on the pro tour, 24 off the pro tour of his 1060 or higher rated rounds. So this is what I'll say. And then, Yuli, if you want to say anything else, when you go on tour, if you are a low rated player and you go on tour and you're playing on courses that have a lot of out of bounds, because that's the big thing the course actually has a huge impact. If you go and you play on a course that has a lot of out of bounds, if you just play smart and you don't try to go for anything crazy, you will shoot above your rating almost every single time. Now, the other side though, if you're a high rated player, if you're like 1030 or 1040 and you go and you play on tour, it is so hard for you to shoot above your rating. It is really, really difficult. And a lot of times it's really hard on some of these other courses as well. And my last point is while I'll say the one thing that ratings don't take into account, if you take 10 people, because this, this is how ratings should work regardless of what 10 people you take, right? If you take 10 people and they play a course, let's say you take 10 people that all have bad skill levels and there's one good player and you have 10 people that nine people are really good. And one person is bad and you play the same exact course and the weather is exactly the same, the rating should be exactly the same if someone shot even par in this grouping and even par in that grouping. The rating should not be different. They played the same course. That's how I view ratings, is like, even should not matter who's, who's in the field, should not matter if an even is higher rated or lower rated based off another, another tournament, if the conditions are exactly the same. The reason they do, though, is if me and Yuli step up to a hole and it's a 400-foot hole, me and Yuli are going to birdie that hole. Let's say it's wide out. Let's say it's in the open. Me and Yuli are going to birdie that hole more often than someone that can only throw seven, 375 feet, right? Mm-hmm. However, if now there is 370 feet worth of carry, now all you did was put water in between the tee and uh, the basket, when me and Yuli step up to that hole, that hole's difficulty is no, is no different for us. When we're playing that hole, the difficulty of that hole isn't harder. By adding that water, it doesn't make that hole any harder. But now for the guy that throws 375 feet, that hole gets very hard. And that's where it makes the ratings higher. That's, that, that's, and that's where in, in golf, they have slope. And they have rating. Those are the two things they use to tell you how what you should shoot on a course. And it's based off your skill level. Disc golf, we don't have anything like that. And that's it sounds like your point, Yuli. The course that you played, this the scoring separation, like the skill level gap. You can't really on that course, you can't really showcase all the skills you have. So someone that is super a lot lower rated than you, they actually can shoot a score way a lot closer to your score because you're not able to really showcase all the skills.
1: Yeah. I think my point is, is it's like, uh, I guess, listen, this guy balled out against me, played well, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: was in it. had a chance to win the tournament. Who cares what the rating is? Like, I would rather not know his rating, him not oh, know I my yeah. rating
0: mm-hmm.
1: and play against the guy. And then afterwards be like, damn, nice battle. Yeah. You know what I mean? This guy's this guy's a good player. Instead of being point, like, yeah. "Oh, this guy's nine twenty four, I'm ten twenty, the gap there's crazy," that doesn't matter. Like, yeah. I would have rather just been like at the end of the round, you know, because I'm I'm playing against a nine twenty guy. I know that I saw the ratings. I know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Dang, this guy's playing good." Why? I hate that there is a that that takes away. From what I'm doing or from what this guy's doing, we're competing against each other in the open division, playing for a professional win. Here's the next thing. Uh, my, my last round, I, I think it was like a 980 rated round. Dude, I won the tournament. I, I won with like two holes to go. I made like a 50-footer, 80-footer. And then I have to then think, oh my gosh, 980? Like, no, I'm playing a professional event I Mm -hmm. win the tournament. Who gives a flip about a rating? Mm -hmm. It's so silly to me. And this is a reason that people don't play smaller events Mm -hmm. in the professional division because they don't want to mess up their rating. That is silly. If you're a professional disc golfer, your main job is to play tournaments to make money. That is your job, right? Right. Mm-hmm. to prove that you're the best player so you can play those tournaments you make money there are literally so many professionals i know this that won't play small tournaments because of the rating system that is so crazy to me it's it's so backwards like if you if you're a professional and you want to go make a, that and you want to make an extra 500 dollars. Playing a C tier or B tier, but you don't want to do it because you know that tournament gives out bad ratings, or you're the highest rated guy and you know that's gonna and this happens especially with like the top top guys, 10, 1040, 1050, well, those guys, yeah, they're you, worried about it. If, I know the, they cor- told me.
0: The course I just played, if I play really well, I shoot 16 under par. Like if I play really, really well, I shoot 16 under par. And I play with MA three guys out there. My, like the local guys I play with, they can still, they sometimes shoot 10, 12 under par out there. Yep. There's just not any score separation. You bring up a good point. Ratings might actually hurt. I always thought like ratings actually might help tournament play. Cause it yep. gets people to want to play tournaments to get a rating. You might, you might bring up a good point. Ratings actually might be hurting the tournament disc golf more. I promise about getting this. people to play. I promise you this. This is fact.
1: Paul Macbeth is more likely to play a non-sanctioned event, same people, same prize pool, same course, than a C-tier. Guaranteed. Mm. Guaranteed. If it's right next to his house, let's say, oh yeah, that tournament's two minutes away. It's a two-round tournament. He's more likely to play the non-sanctioned tournament rather than the sanctioned tournament. And that goes all the way across the board.
0: Yeah. You, uh, this is a point that I don't think I've really thought about too much, but you might, you might be onto something. Ratings might be holding back disc golf, uh, tournament disc golf. It's an interesting thing to think about.
1: Well, I will. I like, I enjoy playing. I enjoy playing. And li-
0: I'll tell you this. Because, because you are right with the pros. Like think about if I'm like a, a, a fringe pro, I don't have a sponsorship or anything. And all these manufacturers are telling me like, you need to be 10, 15 rated. If you want to get sponsored. You're not going to play. You're not going to play. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to be very, very pick and choosy. What tournament I play. You'd be smart to do that. Hey, since I
1: got my two year exemption for the pro tour, I'm going to be playing all kinds of seats. Dude. One of my favorite things to do is play small tournaments. It's one of my, dude, I had a blast this weekend playing with guys I'd never met before and we had an absolute blast. And then it got into a battle to where I'm having to dig deep to beat this guy. Mm Mm-hmm. And it just sucks that it's like there's a rating attached to the thing that takes the narrative into into a different spot for some people instead of looking at the tournament and being like, who's this guy? Mm. They're going to look at his rating and be like, 920. Oh, Yuli must have sucked that day. No, I Mm. actually played pretty damn good. And I had to dig deep to get a PDJ sanctioned win, which isn't the same as what it used to be. But part of it is because of the rating system. If you just had tournaments, like... More people, are you more likely to play a non sanction or nobody knows you're there or a sanctioned tournament? C tier.
0: Uh, Well, now, I mean, where I am now, I don't really care, but definitely when I first was starting, I definitely was worried about what tournaments I was playing because I was trying to get my rating up because that's what mattered with Discraft.
1: And, and some, and some top pros probably are to the point where they make enough money. They don't want really, I enjoy competing. I enjoy yeah. playing smaller tournaments. Listen, I get my butt kicked early on tour 20 times a year. That, I, well, enjoy, I enjoy winning a couple tournaments from time to time and getting that, my confidence back.
0: Yeah. That's where I am right now is I don't think my sponsorship with Discraft craft or um, with any company is my, my rating has any influence on that anymore. And so, and also for me as like a player, I don't think going into next season, if I'm rated a thousand five or if I'm rated 1040, that changes my likelihood of winning. Right. Right. Like the number next to my name doesn't change how likely I am to win. So to me, it doesn't matter really more, but I, I, I do think there's a lot of people that aren't in the position that I am And, you know, I'm grateful to be in the position I am, but there are a lot of players that have to be cautious of what tournaments they play. And that sucks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just feel like one of the things that really helped me this season is I came home and I played a small tournament because I had gotten beat down so bad and I'm getting 70th at every single big tournament. I'm playing against the best players on the planet. I came home and I played a little small tournament and I won. And it reminded me that like, Oh, I'm actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm actually a pretty good disc golfer. Now, compared to every single good player, this is another thing that's hilarious, is when people start talking down to top pros and being like, oh, 70th, man, that guy's washed, that guy sucks. Yeah, he's not doing as good as he has. But he, listen, top 70 on the planet in anything that you do
0: is pretty good yeah but the thing there's, is, is there's really, no like, but no, 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 there's no, no there is a but there is a butt, be, is a butt though, butt? because my butt is like the, think about what people do in the NFL. There are thirty two starter starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and people talk trash about starting quarterbacks. No, no I'm talking
1: t- about other pros.
0: I'm not talking about just oh. randos. I'm talking oh, about okay. other pros. Oh, I thought you're talking, talking about fans. I'm talking about like, like in, fans our, in always... our
1: community, in our community, gotcha. like other people being like, oh, blah 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 blah, because they know okay. what it takes to get there, and they're like, oh, that guy's garbage, and blah 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 blah.
0: Okay, That's, that, that makes that, sense. that stuff is. I was cool. gonna say you're never gonna stop fans. Oh no, you're gonna have the, you're gonna have the haters. Someone that finishes 80th, sure. 80th no, in a tournament, you're never gonna specific. I'm saying like
1: individuals you compete with start talking about it. And they're like, blah, 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 blah. That guy's terrible. And it's like, dude, you know what it takes. And you're telling me at one point you were, you know, this could be you next week. Yeah. Yeah, This could
0: be you next week too. It's knows? It's I don't know.
1: Anyways, but ratings need to go. More people will play smaller tournaments. More people have fun. I think you'd see more like a Ricky Wysocki. Do the guy used to play every single tournament guarantee. He doesn't play small tournaments because Mm -hmm. of the rating system. Guarantee it.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. So now we're going to switch. We got a couple of listener questions to knock out, but before we're going to go into the number one, I posted this on Twitter, the number one cause for lack of distance that I have noticed with what I've been seeing and, and, and working with some players, some amateurs, they throw nose up. And they throw with a negative launch angle. Now I was surprised yeah. there are the balloons. I was surprised when I made that tweet how many people were like had no idea what launch angle was. So what I'm gonna do next week, if you're listening, it might be in a couple of days if you're listening to this later, but if you're live with us right now, next week I'm gonna do a live stream and I'm gonna kind of break down what nose angle looks like, what launch angle looks like. And something that you need to focus on because if you are struggling, if you are throwing every disc and it all is going the same distance, right? Everything goes three fifty. Your problem is you're throwing those up and you're probably has a, have a negative launch angle. So I'm going to, I'm going to dive into that next week, do a little live stream on YouTube. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, And we got some cool technology too. That is actually giving us input now to where we can actually see what we're doing. Uh, a lot better than what we did before. So, all right, a couple of listener questions here, and then we'll get the heck out of here. First one comes from David. He wants to know, how do you feel about disc golf gossip as our sport grows? More and more people are finding interest in the players themselves and their lifestyles. Do you think this is good for the sport? And when do you think disc golf will see an outlet dedicated to that kind of news?
1: I mean, you're gonna get that stuff with every every single sport and across the board. That that's gonna be a thing eventually, for sure. Do, I, do yes. I what do I think about it? I don't care.
0: So I saw I saw an uh an interview with Ben Affleck and a little snippet. And it was interesting because he like is super anti-being a celebrity. Like he does not want to have the paparazzi. He doesn't want to have the limelight. He's he views himself as like I go in, I do my job, and I leave. Now, on an act, an actor's standpoint, I think that makes a lot of sense, so right? Totally. Like, I like, like that. They, you can, I don't really, me personally, like I can just show up to a movie and have no idea who's in the movie and really enjoy it a lot. I don't have to have like, oh, I really love this person as a, per- you know, I love their personality or I love that they have the same hobbies as me. Sports, though, I do think are a little bit different. I think you can get way more enjoyment out of no, getting to know someone more on a personal level. Sure. And so I don't think, again, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think players, all every player needs to be on social media. I don't think every player needs to be on YouTube. However, for disc golf to continue to grow, for disc golf to continue to get more people interested in it, that stuff is what a lot of people find interesting. They want to know that stuff. And so I don't have a problem with it. Now I'm not going to really be reporting any of that stuff. We're not going to be doing that on this show. We're not going to be like, Hey, did you know that these two people are, are dating now? Like that's just not of me. I don't really care, but that doesn't mean that other people don't. And so if other people are reporting on it, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. So uh, but yes, I do think as it gets bigger and bigger, there's going to be more and more of that. There will be more and more media as well. All right. We got this from Jake. He says, with this announcement, I'm curious, will you be there? Do you think the other tour, top tour players will be there? This was an announcement from the Las Vegas Challenge. They said the PDJ has approved a new date for the 25th anniversary of the Las Vegas Challenge presented by Innova, May 9th through May 12th. Mother's day weekend, sign up, schedule TBD. So this Yuli, this is the weekend before OTB and after DDO. So once you're done with Kansas, everyone that's going over to the Western, the Western part of the tour, they're going to be kind of driving by Vegas. It's an off week. What do you think? I think this is the perfect date. If you, if you could pick a date, this is the perfect date to try to entice as many people from the tour to show up. Listen,
1: I'd, I've never been a big fan of Vegas over the last couple of years, but I will say this. Jeff Jaquois runs a good tournament. Mm-hmm. It made it a big tournament. And if I can, I will make it because of that. Because of what they made into the tournament and the fact that it just got completely wiped off the map a lot of other tournaments have done that but it's been a staple on the tour for a very long time they put in a lot of work his staff does a really great job of hosting that many people with all that being said if it's possible for and it makes sense i would that might be one of the only ones on tour that i make i'll say off that, tour off yeah. tour yeah on yeah, tour I, that i like that i make a little diversion correct. to go play a non uh i would say non-sanctioned but uh, I guess it is a non-sanctioned pro tour event.
0: No, I agree with you completely. I think this is the only ev- event that I have any interest in playing that's not on tour during the tour season. Um, so I think, I think it's a great week. It's, it's probably the best week they could have gotten. So. All right, Jared Fair. How much do you estimate the guys who Airbnb slash fly in for tournaments spend on tour costs this year? Traveling costs, attorney fees, housing, food, etc. Um, so I have, I have all my expenses in a note. So I probably could have done a decent job of um, adding those all up. But I'll I'll just rattle off here. I'll do this. I'll rattle off my tour starting in Vegas. My tour starting in Vegas. I'll rattle off my expenses leading up to. Uh, Dallas, or leading up to sorry, yeah, leading up to um, coming back from Jonesboro, okay, so a little bit of like maybe a fourth of the tour. these are my expenses. so the tour card tour pass was just under seven thousand dollars, flight to Jacksonville, six eighteen, flight to Vegas, six hundred Airbnb in vegas four twenty one gas thirty dollars, champion cup registration three sixty four. Car rental in Vegas, 643 Airbnb in Waco, 427 hotel for Waco, 163 European open registration, $330 Airbnb in Austin, 1,120 Houston, Airbnb, 431 gas, 39 gas, 50 Airbnb in Nashville, 530 Uh, gas in Nashville, 37 hotel, one twenty-two gas to Nashville. Forty hotel. One eighteen hotel. Five seventy-six. Forty dollars gas. Thirty-three dollars gas. Three fifteen Airbnb. Thirty-six gas. One seventy-two hotel. Thirty dollars gas. Thirty-two dollars gas. Thirty-eight dollars gas. It's a lot of money, man. It's a ton of money. And that's you doing that. I'm flying into these events.
1: Mostly it's cheap. That's, that's as cheap
0: yeah. as you can get. Cause mm-hmm. I'm also
1: doing Airbnb
0: with three people. Yeah. So we're I'm,
1: splitting. I'm flying in. Not only am I flying in, I'm paying for Brad to drive in wherever he's at paying him a weekly rate. Um, plus the
0: Airbnb. So yeah, it, it gets, it gets pretty crazy. It's, uh, it's not, it's not cheap. Yeah. And so that's why it's, it is one of those things of where if you're not cashing a crazy amount every week, you better have some sort of form of income with sponsorship money or something else, because you're probably like barely breaking even if that, um, it is, it is very, very expensive. Now, to some do... of these people
1: who are living in their vans though, they, you gotta Correct. think that that's, that's actually a nice way to do it because they're yep. doing, uh, whatever their payment is on their van. Because yep. I'm guessing it's not paid off, might mm-hmm. be. Because those are like those can be pretty high end. They can be like between seventy and like a hundred thousand dollars for the nice ones that they have built out. So they're making payments on that, and then gas, food, food and gas, and that's, that's it. Pretty yeah. much it. Yeah. And yeah. their entry fees, the regi-
0: registration fees. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty.
1: I mean, you're you're cutting off a lot of money. Probably fifteen fifteen thousand minimum.
0: At least, yeah, yeah at least. Minimum. Um, okay. Cardzilla wants to know what is that PSA 10 card Yuli has on his bookshelf? Is it right there? Oh, that's a Patrick Mahomes rookie card, my dude. There you go. Patrick Mahomes rookie card. Do Ezra and me pony up our waffle bets? We still have some that we have yet to account for, but. Ah, uh, sometimes we do make a bet, and then we'll immediately go to Waffle House afterwards and and make good on it. So it just kind of okay. depends. But we do have like a little bit of a running tab going right now. Ooh, that's that's a
1: nice call out. I just did the but, budget battle with Ezra. Yes, those are, li- those are live on our YouTube channels right now. He just texted me. He said that's the worst thumbnail I've ever seen in my life. I just like it was just stopped right there. That's the one. <laughs> I don't do thumbnails, so I'm I'm gonna have to. Hey, somebody do a thumbnail <laughs> for me. Sorry, as I'm apologizing um publicly so check that. go uh, you know, check it out. It was a, it was a blast. We did Ezra's it just channel. last weekend, where we go into another round disc golf shop. We have thirty dollars to buy discs to go play each other at the local course or whatever for thirty bucks. Very entertaining. It's a fans, fan favorite. So go check those out
0: on our channels. Yeah, those are cool. Does Yuli keep? being a media personality when he's done on the pro tour.
1: um, of some, I think of some capacity, probably I would guess. Um, I, I got asked this question actually this week of what I would do if I was done playing disc golf. And I think I would, the one thing I'm moving towards is being a coach, like a disc golf coach. So I love teaching. I love that, that type of thing. Um, I really enjoy podcasts. It's like one of my favorite things is listening to podcasts. So I, I think I would still do that as far as though, as far as commentary goes, I don't think I would do it. Maybe mm. I don't, I don't know. It would have to be worth my time for sure to, to, to do that. I could see yeah. myself having like a studio here in this room, building out a studio and then maybe doing one, you know, one every once in a while, that would be cool. But uh, I'm really working my way when I'm done playing to, to be a a disc golf coach. I want to, I want to coach young talent to uh, come up in the sport for sure.
0: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense too. I guess, far as just like uh, time wise for you. You know, the podcast is a pretty nice thing just to hop on once a week, talk disc golf and then bounce. And then, but doing the commentary, that's a whole different ball game, right? So, um, yeah. All right. Last question here. Does Brody feel like he should probably stop reading and responding to every negative comment (laughs) on every social media platform? Okay. First thing, I don't even think I respond to like 10% of the negative <laughs> comments i get i get a lot more than i i respond to but the issue here is well first off i've already kind of talked about this the negative comments don't have any sort of impact on me i've been doing this for so long and also when i came into it i i already kind of had a very like uh what's the terminology people use not cold heart but i had like a very uh you know, you could just say whatever you want. It's just going to bounce off of me kind of mentality. And I've been able to maintain that. The thing about this that I don't like is if I don't read the negative comments, then I also am missing out on all the positive ones. I'm missing out on, I can't just pick and choose. Cause like when I'm reading comments, I don't know what it is when I first read it. So I, I like to see what people have to say. I like to hear stories about people that, you know, have said like, Hey, thanks so much for getting me into disc golf. Or maybe they have a story that they want to share, or maybe they have a question that they want answered. So I'm big on reading the comments. I try to do my best on the YouTube. I definitely try to thick skin. That's what I'm thinking about. Thick skin. Thank you. I try to do my best on Twitter to kind of respond to as much as I can um, when I can. But yeah, that that's what I'll say about that is like it doesn't impact me. If it does, I'll start letting you guys know, and then we can uh, try to figure out what to do from there.
1: Yeah, I think um, Terry, I think Terry hit it kind of on the nose when he was talking about the things that really make him mad, and that I, I feel like you're the same way with the responses that you have. You don't just like respond to somebody being like blah 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 blah. It's the ones that like just don't make any sense. Like for example, I'll give you an example from me. I was looking at comments in the in the um, comment section. From last week, and somebody's like, geez, Anthony barilla should hire Paul Uliberry as his salesman. <laughs> um, the horrible take, blah, 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 all the way down the thing. And I'm like, not a horrible take. Like, I'm actually saying that because the kid had a crazy good season. Mm-hmm. And so, sure, he could have had uh the most improved from the year before, and those are facts. So like Terry, that irked me because I'm like, no, these are facts that I'm, I'm talking about from somebody who's out there, who's seen it, who knows disc golf, like the back of my hand.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then somebody's like, oh my gosh, this guy's just, because I'm the captain of disc craft, that's the reason why I'm saying it, I think is what he was getting at. And that's not it. Those are facts. The kid had a crazy season. And if somebody else had a similar season, I would say that about him.
0: Yeah, true. Yeah.
1: So I'm with Terry. And it, when and somebody say says something silly like that, that's when I go in there. Otherwise, if it's so bad to where they're like, Oh, Paul looks fat this week," and Look at those love handles. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know, dude. <laughs> chill out, man. I live in this. I live in this vessel, bro.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go, hey, go easy on me, brother. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, all right. Some housekeeping here. Tour life crew. We just got another one. Tour life crew really? has been going nuts today. Uh, these are some of the people that just joined. Yeah, I'm all that flopster, Mark Myers, Joe Rodriguez, Adam Brown, Bugatti, Sam Suk, Car Talk, LL Hand J. These are all people that just joined on this podcast. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we do really appreciate it. I'm also doing a live stream this week for members only. So if you are part of the tour life crew, That is happening tomorrow. You can go right now on the community page here on YouTube and vote when you want that live stream to happen. If you can't make it, the live stream will be up there for you to be able to rewatch if you are tour life crew. So me, Yuli, everyone really appreciates all the support from the tour life crew. And we'll, we'll let you guys know real quick where that support is headed because it's headed somewhere very well, uh, reviews. Reviews, 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 Spotify, Apple, Spotify. We are up to 632 reviews. Our quest for a thousand reviews on Spotify. We're getting closer have, and closer. Have we
1: checked out what those look like?
0: I haven't, I haven't read them. I'm sure you have 4.9. We're 4.9. You okay, can't leave that You can't leave a written review. On Spotify, Apple, you can leave a written review. We have 165 on Apple. So Apple's definitely slacking. So if you're listening to us on Apple right now, let's try to get those reviews a little bit closer to Spotify and Spotify listeners. We're getting close to a thousand. So we appreciate all the review you guys leave. We really do tour life job interviews. This is what everyone's listening for. And you're wondering, Hey, I'm a, to- I-, I love supporting the podcast. I'm a tour life crew member. What's going on? All the money that we make right now from Tour Life goes back into Tour Life. So that money goes to Silas, who helps produces the show, and that money is going to be going to some positions that I just—I think I did eight or nine interviews. I want to say this a couple days ago on Monday. Um, some really overqualified people, Yuli. Really? You got some really, yeah, some like. To the point of where it's like, holy, uh, it's like, ah, I really wish we were getting like a hundred thousand views an episode because you guys are crazy qualified, like way over qualified, but uh, a lot of these people really love the show and really want to help out. So hopefully we can work something out, but that is kind of what's going to end up happening with a lot of the support. You guys are showing the podcast. It's going to allow us to hire people to make the show even better. Uh, to make and and these people are going to really help our social media. The part that I'm not the greatest at, which is like editing and making really cool clips. If you guys go on our social media on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Tour Life Pod, I think is what it is for most of those, you can see it's pretty much just me like doing the bare minimum because I'm not really that great at anything else. I can put text on there and that's about it. Uh, but some of these people are crazy talented. So the Tour Life. Interviews are going went really, really well. I'm going to sit down with All Business Brad. We're going to try to figure out what to do moving forward. But hopefully, by next week, we will have one, maybe two, and potentially three new people helping the show uh, move forward, which I'm really, really excited about. Uh, other things going on the break 68 with Hunter, we filmed that video. We also did. Uh, a video that will be available for our Patreon members. So if you are a Patreon member, that'll be available for you. And we're also going to make it available for our tour life crew members as well. So tour life crew, I'm going to get that up upla- uploaded on YouTube or potentially just give you guys the link to that. So you can watch it. I try to play new London and break even par only throwing a passion. So I think I could only putt when I was inside a circle everything else had to be a passion. So that video will be available for tour life crew members. And then also on the foundation disc golf YouTube channel coming soon, The a huge, huge series that people love the break 86 with Connor, that video will be coming out soon. Uh, he goes to see if he can break 86 at new London for the first time. And if he does, he gets a $1,000 shopping spree at his favorite hardware <laughs> hard, hardware store that sounds so a lot of pressure uh absolutely incredible drama in the video i hope everyone uh tunes in and watches it because it's a lot of fun um yuli do you have anything else going on that the that you want to update the people with before we head out
1: no no i think uh power disc Any- academy is gonna have a, a sale here coming up soon i think uh by the end of the year, so be on the lookout on my socials, Simon Simon's socials as well. We're doing um, awesome sales, um, Black Friday, I think. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, maybe okay. twenty five dollars for the rest of the year to be to get in there and get all that content. Oh wow! So go check that out right now, Power Disc Golf Academy. We're doing some some sweet sales. That's all I got though. Really on my mind. Any, any um,
0: wedding? Any wedding stuff? Any wedding news? Everything. yet. Not yet. Everything not yet. Everything's going. Phew, smooth
1: sarah's a rock star man she's done she's done pretty much the whole planning by herself holy smokes yeah wow yeah um with some help from family members of course um okay uh so yeah she's just killing it uh incredible my family's flying in right now my dad flies in tomorrow my stepdad my sisters my brother's here right now one of my groomsmen allen's here right now so uh yeah it's it's uh it's coming up
0: man dude that's exciting stuff man i i i i can't believe that she's able to do that whole thing on herself because crazy yeah i i saw all the stuff that went through uh, all the stuff that had it. it's like holy smokes man it's 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 so so much so uh crazy crazy stuff but all right uh that's all we got we appreciate everyone for listening we appreciate terry miller for jumping on talking with us go stylus yeah silas as always for the uh Crushing it, getting this thing running off the ground, and uh, no crackle. I mean, heck, look at us now, Yuli. We we are, we are cruising, moving forward, sounding good, looking good. We're we're headed in the right direction, and uh, we appreciate all you guys' support. Yep. We really do, and uh, we'll see you all next Wednesday.